you have been a participant in the biggest interdimensional cross-rip since the Tunguska Blast of 1909? Felt great. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Nick the Rat Radio. This is episode 382. It is uh, January, February, March, April. April. April 19th. It's about to be April 20th. It's about to be 420. Everybody. Everybody, get your, get your weed ready. Get your weed ready. I already took my edible. My edible should be kicking in shortly. And boy, oh boy. It's gonna knock the it's gonna knock the pants off my head. Yeah. But while I wait for that, let's open up this Guinness. And let's pour it out. I didn't even drink it yet. Let me take let me take a sipsy. That is the stuff. That is the Guinness. All right, everybody. We have a very extremely super duper special episode tonight. I interviewed Shannon Taggart. I did this yesterday. It was pre-recorded. You know, I'm not going to expect a, a professional photographer. Um, a professional anybody actually to be up this late this, this is a late night show everybody this is it's 11 o'clock at night so sometimes you have to do interviews a little bit earlier in the day um, I think the interview went really well I hope the uh, audio quality is good uh, I think it is I might come in a little hot as always I'm a, I'm, I'm a hot rat you know how I do um, but she sounds great and um, there's one thing I, I really wanted to ask her about Art Bell because she was mentioning a lot of names that was ringing uh, Art Bell up in my mind. And I'm like, oh boy, oh boy, this is going to be um, – uh, I, I forgot I forgot to ask her that because I'm sure she, she knows who Art Bell is. She was talking about like um, uh, all those people, the, the cow mutilation woman and the alien abduction guy. Uh, I, I forget all their names. Uh, uh, Linda Moulton Howe, how is it? Linda, it's a, a Linda, Linda's um, a hot cow, Linda Moulton cow. No, it's not that. I know it. I know that's not her name, but um, it's a good interview. It's about an hour long. It should take us into the, um, to the new year of our Lord Ja. And uh, it's going to be a really, you're going to enjoy it. Linda Moulton Howe. It sounds like she's either molten, like she's hot, or she's molting, like she's shedding. Okay, either way. She's uh, Linda Moulton Howe. She's an expert on uh, mutilations. I think cows mainly. But we're not talking about her. Uh, we're talking about Shannon Taggart, who is a great photographer. She has a book called Seance that I think is I think it's out. It's on Amazon. It's got reviews. It's got a lot of really good reviews. Um, she sent me a, a digital copy so I was able to read through it to get a, a lot of questions for her and those the, the pictures are great if you ever want a nice book to put up on your shelf get this get this book seance it's it's a page turner it's a nail biter 
There's a lot of really awesome. Uh, she got a lot of old photos in there too, like some historical stuff. She's got her own photos in there. She knows what she's talking about, and um, it took her 20 years to make this thing. So, whew, labor of love, labor of labor of love. It's a really great. It's a really great uh, book. Loved it, and uh, we're gonna play. We're gonna play a song really quick, and as soon as the song's over, we're gonna start the interview up. Um, and then after the interview, there'll be more show. So you could stick around. You could uh, leave voicemails. You could uh, you could just hang out in the chat room. I'll be in the chat room, chatting you up and and uh, smoking and all that stuff. And uh, I'm gonna listen in too, and hopefully the audio doesn't make me cringe. Ah, that's you know I don't really. Oh look at that! It's Tom Starkweather. Wait, uh oh. I might I might have asked her a few questions about you, Tom. <clears throat> Just a couple. All right, let's start the show with listening to um, a song, and then we're going to jump right into it. The first song we're going to listen to tonight is "Birth" by Produce, and then we'll be right back with the interview. <laughs>
right. Uh, we are interviewing Shannon Taggart tonight. Well, it's today, but this is a previous recording. And I'm happy and excited to have her here. Uh, Shannon, can you tell us a little bit about you? Uh, well, hi, Nick. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so I am a photographer. I've worked as a photographer professionally for over 20 years, but I guess I'm best known for my documentary project about the religion of spiritualism, where I went to mediums and seances, and I went kind of all over the world and photographed all of these different aspects of the religion of spiritualism. Um, and also, I, I, I'm just going to bring this up right away, even though it's not really mainly what I was going to talk to you about. Uh, do you know Tom Starkweather? Yes. Yes, I've known Tom for quite a long time. Where did you meet Tom? Uh, we went to the same college, oh. uh, and so, and he's been friends with my husband also for a long time, and so, yeah, that's how we connected through Tom. Tom's and a- at, we've we've worked together too on photo shoots and and such in New York. Tom's a good dude. Um, do you know what got you into photography? Uh, yeah, I took a class in high school. And I had this very eccentric photography teacher, and he showed us all this, you know, probably more adult photography than we should have been seeing in in second year of high school. But he introduced uh, me to the work of Deanne Arbus, and we he showed us Les Crim's photographs, like a lot of like wild conceptual um, '70s photography, street photography, and of course, like Deanne Arbus became kind of my touchstone i don't know if you're aware of her work at all but, i'm um, not too aware i'm a i'm a i'm a photography uh plebe or beginner <laughs> okay yeah yeah so she's kind of she's very well known nowadays um but anyway so i started in high school i got very interested in it when i saw the pictures he was showing us i kind of thought oh wow like photography is a way you can see into people's minds or like I really saw it as like a type of telepathy and so that's what got me interested in it. Do, do you remember your uh, first camera? Uh, yeah, Canon AE-1 which was like a manual 35 millimeter camera. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cameras are so expensive. I, I, I started getting into photography when the digital stuff started happening but it, it's very expensive to <laughs> yes. do anything with photography. Yes, yes, it's crazy expensive. Um, and let's see, you got into taking uh, pictures of the spiritual world and stuff when your grandfather passed away? Well, yeah, so probably around the same time that I found photography in high school, my cousin went to a, a place called Lilydale, New York, which is this tiny town in upstate New York that's home to the world's largest spiritualist community. And my cousin went there and a medium told her, oh, your grandfather's here. And he's saying that he choked to death and that's how he died. And she said, oh my God, that's so not true. That's not how either of my grandfathers died. And she kind of laughed at this woman and thought she was crazy. But it turned out that it was a true story. It was kind of like a family secret about his death that nobody really talked about. And so that happened when I was in high school. My cousin had gotten gotten this reading. So it just stuck in my head, like, what a weird thing. How would that stranger 
know that story. It just seemed too uncanny. It was very bizarre. But uh, so I didn't start photographing, though, at Lilydale until I was in my 20s and I was working as a photographer. Like, you know, the story stuck in my mind, but I didn't pursue that type of photography until later. Uh, Lilydale, did they like accept you in there right away or were they like a little like, oh, as an outsider trying to take pictures? Um, yeah, they did accept me right away, which is, I think, because I was local, mm. you know, I mean, I was from the area and I was just really, I was fascinated by everything that happened in the town. I mean, at that point, I had never had a reading. I had never met a medium. I had, I was raised Catholic and I was really into the stories of the saints, mm. but, um, you know, I, I couldn't kind of put together in my mind how you could be a sane person and then say that you were speaking with dead people, you know, like I just couldn't make that connection. But I was, I was meeting all these really fascinating people and hearing all these absolutely wild stories. And so I think it's because they knew I was genuinely curious uh, that, you know, everybody I met there was very open towards me. And I think the local connection also helped. And they they seem like really nice people. I've been uh, doing some research about it after uh, reading up uh, your book, and uh, yeah, they seem like there's probably just a bunch of really cool people there. I want I kind of want to go now. Um, you're, oh, you're- you should go um, when I I do a summer symposium there every the last weekend of July, and oh. I just I just posted it. So if if anybody wants to go, or if you need an excuse to go, that's a good time. How far from uh, New York City is it? It's a it's it's like eight hours drive. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know it's near Niagara Falls. Oh yeah, I want to. I've never really been all the way up there. I gotta, I gotta explore New York more. It's... Yeah, people. Uh, that's well. Tom Starkweather and I and my husband, we all went to a photo school at RIT in Rochester, New mm. York. So it's kind of in the area, but um, yeah, people forget how big New York State is. It's, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, one more question about Tom. Does he work for the... Is he a CIA agent? Is he a... No, he's not. Uh, <laughs> I can't say. All right. Okay. Um, let me go through. Uh, the book is really beautiful. It's called uh, Seance. You've been working on it for 20 years? Yeah, I worked on it for almost 20 years by the time it came out. Are all... are uh, The pictures you took, are they all from Lilydale or are they from different places? No, so I started in Lilydale, and then I got really obsessed with this <clears throat> spiritualist substance called ectoplasm. And, you know, so for most people, you may have heard of the term ectoplasm from the movie Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. That's where I first heard of it. But so Ghostbusters, you know, was written by Dan Aykroyd, and he's a spiritualist he's from a spiritualist family and ghostbusters was inspired by his great grandfather's seance diaries Hmm. and so he's drawing that term from spiritualism that's you know a lot of that ghostbusters is actually really cool because a lot of the references is very a lot of the you know the lines and what they're doing and saying actually does pertain to real psychical research and real history so that's like just a cool kind of aspect of ghostbusters but anyway that's where i first heard of ectoplasm and so i became like obsessed with this idea like were there people in the world were there mediums in the world still trying to produce ectoplasm and so that question ended up taking me all over you know to england and 
Switzerland and France. And um, so it started in, in Lilydale, but the project expanded. Uh, what, what place other than Lilydale was like the most spiritual feeling? Because I'm sure Lilydale, you walk in there and it's probably, you feel you like tingles or something, it seems like. Yeah, it did. Lilydale definitely feels like a time warp. Um, that's one of the things I love about it. They really have kept something from the 18th century alive there. It's, um, yeah, it's very strange. But there's another place in England that I found called the Arthur Finlay College. And it's a spiritualist learning center. It's outside of London. And it's a, it's this big estate that this famous spiritualist left to the Spiritualist National Union of England. And it kind of functions as like a Hogwarts Hogwarts for adult spiritualists. Mm. Supposedly, J.K. Rowling um, based Hogwarts on Arthur Finley College. I don't know if that's true or not. That's Maybe that's just folklore. But um, so Lilydale's like a town, and then Arthur Finley College is like a building. Very similar um, in a sense where they keep this Victorian spiritualism alive there. So that was definitely huge for me going to Arthur Finley College. Are, are there are there pictures in the book from that college? Yeah, that's one of the chapters is just uh, there's a lot of pictures in the book from there, but it's the second chapter it's gotcha. based on Arthur Finley College. Um William Mumler, he was one of the first spirit photographers and he was sent to jail. Do you are you scared that I, I, you're not going to get sent to jail today, I'm sure. But uh, do you think that you're, you're like, are you ever scared of being like ostracized for uh, dabbling in the spiritual world? Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's why the book took so long to put together, because when I first started this project, it was in 2001. Mm. And at that time, you know, nobody was really interested in this stuff. And when I say that, I mean, nowadays... Uh, you know, for people who know about what's going on in the art world, there's been this rediscovery of spiritualist art and spiritualist artists. Like um, there's a painter, Hilma Offklint, who was a spiritualist painter who was unknown when I started this project. But now she's um, like the Guggenheim just did a big retrospective of her and it was their most well attended exhibition ever in the history of the museum and their best selling catalog. And so now there's more of an awareness. But when I first started, n you know, nobody had even heard of this. Nobody knew that spiritualists had this history of photography. I mean, that I became really interested in this very bizarre history of spiritualist photography, which is, I always like to say it's like, the most unsettling and absurd uh, moment in the history of photography. But so I would take pictures and the show them to people like in, you know, bring them to meetings or, you know, at that point, at that time I was, you know, freelancing for magazines and such. And people just didn't understand what I was doing. They didn't like it. There was a lot of you know, this topic has like a lot of attraction, repulsion yep. kind of response. And so that's why in the book, uh, I ground all of this stuff in this history. So the first section of the book is all about the visual history of spiritualism, like the art related to it. And, you know, some of the cultural history, because um, the stereotype is that people who are into this are really dumb, mm. or, you know, everything they kind of people lump it in with the new age. But the truth is, is that the most 
you know, the smartest intellectuals um, of the 19th century were all dabbling in spiritualism. It played a part in a lot of 19th century innovation and art, too, like the very birth of modern art. Like, it's now being acknowledged that these female artists were actually the first abstract expressionists, you know. So art history is kind of grappling with that because it was kind of written out of the history. Um so the first section of the book is all about the history. Second section is all my photographs. And then the third section is where I kind of tell a lot of my stories, uh, you know, because I there's been a lot of spooky stories and a lot of funny stories and, you know, a lot of stuff that you cannot get across purely in photographs. So I did write a text that's kind of, it kind of plays in the back of the book like an index. So it's fun to read. It's got thumbnails and then each picture has like a little um, attached entry story uh, there was a one of the stories was about the uh it was i don't know if it was your first seance you went to but uh, the guy that just hand grew and got really big and you screamed yeah yeah was that was that the first seance you've ever been to no 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 but it was when it was early on when i started attending these physical mediumship seances where where that's when you know they sit in a dark room with a red light and try to you know, you try to see spirits or you try to, the mediums like manipulate their bodies. And so in that situation, I was sitting in this seance and this, this medium had said beforehand, oh, you know, I make my hand change shape through ectoplasm. And when he says this to me, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm probably not going to see that because, you know, you'll meet a lot of people who tell you you're going to see a lot of things. And it's, Seances are often very subjective experiences. So I sat in his name. He's a medium named Gordon Garforth. Really sweet man. Um, fourth generation spiritualist. Uh, he and his wife work together in, on these seances. So I'm sitting in the front row and it's a there's a red light and he's wearing a T-shirt and I can see him pretty well. I feel like I can see things pretty well. It was pretty well lit with the red light. And then he, his wife, Gaynor, said, okay, well, now the spirits are going to work with Gordon's hands. And so he put his hand out and he moved it slowly in front of his body. And it, the hand just jumped into this gigantic form. And I mean, that's what it looked like to me. And I screamed. And you're really, it's such like, it's such a bad thing to do in a seance. You get in a lot of trouble because then you can, the, 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 They'd say you can you can break somebody out of a trance and they could, you know, injure their psychic faculties. And so you're really not supposed to do that. But I did mm -hmm. because I was so shocked. And and then I looked back and then he pulled it away and it just went back into a normal hand. And when I screamed, everybody else screamed out as well. And so I was thinking, are they screaming because I screamed? Are they <laughs> screaming because they saw this gigantic hand? Or and then I convinced myself okay, I hypnotically rendered the gigantic hand because I was prepared for it and I was told it was going to happen. So it was my mind's eye creating that gigantic hand. But then when I got my, when I looked at my, um, I, I was digital, I was shooting digital then. And uh, when I downloaded my card, there was a picture with this absolutely grotesque gigantic hand. It kind of looks like um, you know, I know we're, we're on a podcast, so we don't have the visual, but it kind of looks like one of those like big pointing hands that you see at um, football games, you know, yeah. like the big foam hands. <laughs> um, and it it did not look like a glove or 
a magic trick. And, you know, I brought that picture to Lily down. The historian looked at it and said, oh, Shannon, that's a glove. And I said, no, it wasn't a glove. It just, it looked like flesh that just seamlessly jumped into this big hand. And other people say it's an optical illusion with the light or, you know, I don't know how it happened, but it was so, it was like reality just crashed right in front of me. It was very, um, but I like, but what I like about the picture is that the viewer ha- is forced to like interpret it for themselves. Like, mm. you know, I'm not, I'm just putting it out there like, okay, this is this picture. <laughs> and would it be okay yeah. if I put the picture? Cause I do do a little video part of the podcast. Oh, sure. Part. Yeah. Yeah. It's a creepy picture. It's a, yeah. <laughs> um, do you think there's a difference between uh, taking pictures uh, like analog or digital? Do you think that you could pick more things up like um, with the analog or the digital? Um, I, I know there's a lot of lore surrounding film and the analog and, you know, because it's silver and you're using chemicals. But I actually, f- I prefer the digital. And the reason, there's a couple of reasons. And first is that, you know, I don't have to find my um are you still there yeah yes i am okay sorry i my computer (laughs) i thought my computer died um so with digital i don't have to reload film you know and so in some of these situations i'm just sitting in a chair and sometimes you're in this chair for like three hours and it's really awkward to try to reload but also the dynamic range of digital is different than film Hmm. um in, in the book, there's a lot of pictures with red and black, you know, red light, because the spiritualists use red light in seances. And when I first started photographing those types of seances and I photographed with film, I couldn't get all the detail out of them because they're very hard to print. Gotcha. And it wasn't until I got digital scans that I could get all the detail out. And so in, in digital, you can play with the dynamic range of both the shadows and the highlights. Um, so I can get more detail out of a digital, basically. That's the short, uh, answer of that. So I'm very happy to be digital. <laughs> I, I can imagine because, uh, changing all the film and dark rooms and chemicals, a lot, a lot of extra stuff. Um, yeah. and you could, uh, get a lot more with the digital. You could just, uh, like almost take an infinite amount of pictures. So you'll never miss a thing. Um, do you ever, you ever try to do, um, uh, like, different things with the camera or different settings like uh maybe uh i know the people doing the seance the mediums wouldn't like you using like an like an ultra bright flash or or maybe like uv lights or different types of lighting or yeah actually tom um starkweather and i shared well i wanted to shoot infrared so he had a camera he and we had it converted and we would uh, it was his camera, but I paid for it to be converted to infrared. And so we uh, have shared that camera. And actually, a lot of the pictures in the book were taken with that camera wow. that Tom and I converted. Um, so there's color infrared pictures in the camera. But I, yeah, I've tried everything. I mean, I've that's part of um, what it, what it, how I ended up developing the project was really going into the photographic process and trying to bring forth as many like synchronicities or glitches or kind of play with the process you know automate it as much as possible Mm -hmm. and uh and see what happens so i did get a lot of uh you know striking synchronicities that um 
you know, seemed to speak to the invisible experience in a way that I couldn't um, conceive myself, meaning, uh, you know, for example, there's this one picture where I'm in a seance and this woman is holding a flashlight in front of her face. And at the time in the room, everybody was saying, oh my gosh, we see this other face right next to your face. It looks just like you, but it's not you. Maybe it's your doppelganger. Oh, maybe it's your grandmother. Oh, maybe it's that voodoo priestess, Marie Laveau. Mm. And I did not see this second face. I saw a woman holding a flashlight and I tried to make a pretty straightforward picture of what I was seeing. But when I got the film back, uh, there was a second face right next to her face that looked just like her, but a little different, kind of floating right near her. And I know that that was a long exposure. And so that was a, you know, probably came from the process of long exposure, but it would, there was this pure, strange synchronicity with, um, you know, whatever accidentally happened. Like I, I, you know, I was on a tripod, so I don't know if she moved or I moved, but, um, but it was, it kind of like just beautifully synchronistically spoke to the invisible experience. Uh, do, do you feel like uh, you yourself uh, are a medium as well? Like, uh, do you, when you take the pictures, are are you uh, like maybe saying a mantra in your head or thinking something differently than you usually would? Or, um, no, I mean, I think photography is pretty magical. I think even even like pragmatic materialists love photography for its magic. Like, so I mean, there's a lot to say about, you know it's like topic stopping time and playing mm-hmm. with light and you know the raw materials are light and time um so there's like a lot of philosophical like ways i could answer that about like how photography itself is magical but like for me i don't know i mean i'm actually very interested in the idea of like the artist and the role of the muse and automation and what that all means and uh is that practicing magic? You know, I don't know. But as far as myself personally, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I've taken mediumship classes. I've had to oh. as part of the project. And it is very interesting, the kind of exercises they run your brain through. Can, can you which, give me an example of something that they would do? Um, well, I mean, I, the basic premise of, a, like, also, too, that was kind of, I was shocked to find that you could take a mediumship class. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought, oh, these people are just born this way. And like, you're either this way or you're not. And it's like, no, spiritualists believe that everybody can be a medium. They think it's just part of our sensory, um, like it's part of the human sense range. And that, you know, some people can play piano really well. Some people can play chopsticks. Mm. Like everybody has these latent abilities. That's what they believe. So Basically, the exercises, there's a there's a ton of different ways you could approach it. But the gist of it is to take just go into a place where you're comfortable enough to take your imagination seriously, rather than disregarding it or saying it's just your imagination. Um, the spiritualists take their imagination dead seriously, like um, that they just look at it in a completely different way than we're taught to look at our imagination. Um, so it's kind of like a reframing of the interior process. Uh, Dorian, uh, 
So the the seance with the the big hand wasn't your first seance. Well, what was your first seance, and can you tell me anything about that? Like how that um, was. I mean, sense? one of my first seances was the one with where I just told the story about the woman with the second face. Ah, okay. Um, what? Well, because when I first started, you know, a lot of spiritualist churches and camps, like okay, so Lilydale could be considered a spiritualist camp because once upon a time it was a camp, but now it's really a town because there's. Actually, it started out as like a camp city, but um, so it's spiritualist town like Lilydale or spiritualist church. They would they stopped doing these dark seances, and that's because you know a lot of mediums in the 30s and 40s were caught cheating, right? So everybody's heard about Houdini going around trying to catch mediums, and and but a lot of different magicians going around and trying to expose these mediums as frauds. Okay. And so spiritualism actually became much like what you see on those popular TV shows, like the Long Island Medium. I don't know if you've ever seen the Long Island Medium. I'm not. But, I'll have to check that out. But, you know, the law, in the Long Island Medium, she's just sitting in a white room, you know, with windows wide open and just having a conversation with people, hmm. you know, with like tissue boxes and, you know, nothing spooky, right? So, so when I first started, that a lot of it was just message work like just in a normal room like with in normal light like nothing like an old seance but as i moved forward with the project though the victorian seances kind of became more of interest and people started bringing them back so as the project moved on i found i was finding more and more people going back trying to do these old ways trying to go in the dark and sit under these red lights so um yeah, so the really I started doing a lot of that type of work in 2012. Started going all around trying to find those types of séances. Uh, are these séances are they scary at all? Are they are you worried like maybe something might come forth from the spirit world and Um honestly, in spiritualism, I have never been scared like that. It's hmm. very much like a the only way we could describe it, it's like a grandmother vibe. It's very, like, they're not doing any kind of ceremonial magic where they're calling down spirits and asking them to do things or asking them to um, change reality. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's very different than some other practices. It's more like the whole spiritualist thing is just about opening the connection and proving that life is not or death is not the end. And to bring forth like healing and guidance. So it's usually really an older woman or an older man seated who is trying to bring forth dead loved ones. And it's it's very much a love vibe, a lot of it. I've never, in spiritualism, the intention is all about healing and connection, connection and keeping things, um, keeping things low key, you know, um, I know there's other practices that are a lot more intense or there's, um, you know, there's there's practitioners who work on their own who, you know, do dark things. I've been around those, that type of thing. That type of thing I do find scary. Like the, the Ouija um, board? The Ouija? Ouija? Um, I, well, Ouija boards actually spiritual. That is a spiritualist artifact, but spiritualists don't really use them mm. anymore because they're so tainted. Um. Yeah, so I've heard scary Ouija board stories, but I've, 
you know, I've never had a scary Ouija experience, but I know that they do happen. Oh, yeah, and spiritualists will, ex- yeah, spiritualists will explain that as, oh, you know, you're working with low entities. Like the mediums believe that, you know, they have this, um, they have a spirit guide. Okay. So a spirit guide would act as like your gatekeeper, right? And only let the good spirits in. So a disciplined medium would say that, you know, this dis- the disciplined medium knows their guides and is certain that they only bring in who they want to, who she wants to bring in. Um, you know, and then there's a lot of people who say, oh, that's ignorance, that they're, they should, you know, do more protection. I don't know. There's like a lot of debate about that. But spiritualists um, believe that their spirit guides, they, they, they believe they raise their vibration to the higher spirits. I guess that's a better way to put it. Has uh, all of this made you more or less scared of death? Hmm. You might not. Um, maybe you didn't even have a fear of death before. <laughs> I think everybody's afraid of death, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, well, I have had some really bizarre experiences that make me believe that death is not the end. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if you think about time, it's it's – then it kind of gets really trippy because sometimes I'll be watching a medium work and they'll give a message and the message really makes sense. But it's like, are they playing with time? Are they talking to a spirit? Mm. Because if, you know, if time is, if you think of the space time continuum, right. And if like time, we experience time as this straight line, but that's not really how time is. Uh, You know, I mean, like it's more like everything's happening at once. Right. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so is it, it gets kind of, it just gets kind of trippy, but, um, yeah, I've gotten like really great messages from people who are dead who tell me <laughs> things <laughs> that it's hard to believe that they didn't say the thing, you know, I don't know. It's, but then, you know, I've had me, I've definitely had readings that make no sense. I've seen very absurd things. I've seen things that have no meaning whatsoever, you know, my experiences have spanned the gamut, gotcha. but uh, I, I have had some really um, like profound experiences, though, too. Uh, have you ever gotten close to capturing ectoplasm? Uh, yeah. So I in 2013, I think it was, I first photographed this medium named Kai Mugi, who's a German medium. And he's really controversial because he's an ectoplasm medium and he goes all around the world producing ectoplasm. And when he says ectoplasm, he means exactly like you see in the vintage pictures of spiritualist mediums with this like oozing stuff that looks like cheesecloth or, you know, spiderweb material or what have you. Um, You know, he's doing those types of seances like And so I finally was able to photograph him. And when the lights went off and then they went back on, I, it was like seeing one of those photographs, those old vintage photographs, like jump to life right in front of my eyes, like these oozing, like ectoplasmic material that looks, you know, like cotton or cheesecloth or what, what have you. Um, So yeah, I finally did photograph ectoplasm like that, like, and, you know, he's got a lot of critics. He's very controversial. He swears he's bringing real ectoplasm through. Uh, there's all these scientists trying to prove that he's a fraud. Uh, there's a lot of scandal 
surrounding that whole topic. But Kai, um, he's actually one of the most interesting people I met in my entire uh, project. He's very well read and he speaks really eloquently about why he does ectoplasmic seances and what they mean and why they're important. And so I was able to do a lot of interviews with him and I included those in the book. Sweet. Um, how about uh, this, this, this? I don't know if this is going to be pushing the questions here, but have you ever thought about taking pictures of other things like exorcisms or... Um, oh, I, actually, I was hired to photograph this exorcist named Bob Larson. Hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He was he used to be like a music um, critic. Yeah, that sounds worked... familiar. That's why I'm like, <laughs> exorcism, Bob Larson. Um, so he used to write for like Spin or something. I don't know. He's But now he's a professional exorcist. And I think his daughters even had like a like a young exorcist reality show. So I did photograph his public ex, uh, ex- exorcisms. Mm. As far as like the Catholic stuff, you know, I would love to photograph Catholic ritual, but it's really, um, I'm pretty much blacklisted for doing anything with the Catholics because of my spiritualist work. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, I have been, you know, uh, I've tried to work with, you know, because I, I was really, really interested in the idea of the saints. And there's a lot of parallels between mediumship and saints. Yeah. And, you know, I've met a lot of former priests and nuns who then become mediums. You know, so there's a lot of connection there. And um, I was trying to photograph um, a few Catholic extremists, I would say, mm-hmm. um, early on. And once they found out I did spiritualist stuff, they were like, no, that's the devil work. And you know, you can't photograph this. So unfortunately, it doesn't, I've had a little bit of a hard time there. Do they but. have uh, your picture up in like all the churches and they won't let you in? Or something? <laughs> no. And the funny thing is, is that, um, you know, spiritualists and Catholics, there's so much overlap between yeah. what they believe. So it's hard to understand the disconnect. And I'm also not saying all Catholics, you know, because I was raised Catholic, my whole family's Catholic, like, um, and, you know, some of them go and get readings. Um, But yeah, I was specifically trying to photograph some very extreme Catholic, uh, you know, people were having phenomena happen with them, and they they weren't too hip on the idea that I had photographed at seances. Is your family okay with all this? They're... uh... Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are, uh, y- y- they think it's strange. I mean, yeah. the, my book is strange. <laughs> it definitely is. It's, it's, a, it's great to look at, too. It's, it's a very beautiful, strange thing. Thank you. Yeah, but I, you know, I just couldn't, I thought I'd do this project for like two weeks, right? Like, I thought this would be, oh, a couple weeks in the summer, I'd go like make some pictures at this little you know, this quirky little town with all these interesting characters who believe all this very far out stuff. But what I found was that it actually tied into American history in this very bizarre way that some of the most important intellectuals in the history of the world were inspired by these practices or interested or, I mean, 
there's a list like the, I could give you a laundry list, you know, like of Nobel laureates and, you know, the man who, um, for example, William Crooks, who his inventions helped pave the way for television and the x-ray, you know, he studied spiritualism for 30 years. Oh, and he was the first, he was the first person to photograph spiritualist uh, materializations. Um you know, the Marie Curie was like photographing seances, you know, the Lincolns were having seances in the White House. Um, you know, the art connection is just totally wild. So yeah, I just kept getting more and more enmeshed into this cultural history and like just um, mind. Oh, yeah, the women's rights movement, like that the the reason that the women's rights movement was successful was because they had support by with the spiritualists huh. who were the first people to allow women to speak in public and they believed men and women were equal and they fought for women's rights and they fought for a lot of social reform like child reform and marriage reform and holistic medicine and vegetarianism so you know finding that that you know this wasn't just some you know, like one thing, I, it was a whole, like, yeah, that it wasn't like, it wasn't just this new age thing that only uh, naive people believe, like, that is not true. It's, I, I, you know, it's actually, this idea of the spirit world plays into innovation in every culture, in every era. I mean, you see it now a lot in tech with this idea of like the simulation, you mm, know? Yeah. I mean, that's just another term. Do you for, think, uh, talking about tech, do you think that uh, maybe like uh, these these AI creatures that we're making today, well, they're not creatures, but uh, just, uh, computer AIs, do you think they'll ever be like uh, tapping into the spiritual world maybe? Like a, like a medium I mean, that's an AI? I mean, yeah. I mean, anything. <laughs> anything is possible. Well, if you think about what ceremonial magic is, it's, you know, it's like creating an image and working with the image. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have I don't have my theories totally worked down on it yet. But yeah, you could use you could do magic with AI. It's it's going to be interesting. It's uh, yeah, uh, it looks like most it looks like it seems that most mediums are are uh, women. Do you think there's like a feminine connection to the spiritual world or something? Um, well, a lot of, you know, also, I'm not sure if most mediums are female, I just kind of No, yeah, there's a lot. There's, there are male mediums. But you're you're right, like a lot, there's a lot more women than men. Um, And some theorists have supposed, have proposed that like women's boundaries are more, more permeable, like, you know, because we give birth, and you know, we have like, like, we're more, um, our boundaries are more fluid that it's easier for women to speak to the spirit world. But I've met a lot of male mediums and there were always male mediums also. It's yeah. just more common um, for women. Maybe it's like uh, the woman's intuition or, or they're bound to Gaia or something. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it seems like uh, women are more in touch with uh, uh, reality, it seems than yeah. most men who just try to beat things up or something. I don't know, instead of talking to it. Uh, yeah. But, have you ever uh, heard? But, oh, go ahead. No, you go on. Well, the AI thing, though, like there's this, you know, the spiritual shadow of technology 
is also a big part of spiritualism. And, you know, the history of the radio, too, is filled with, or like... Talking to the dead. Yeah, yeah. The phone, the telephone, like all of it. Like, there's a great book by Eric Davis called Technosis that, you know, he wrote before the internet age that still still stands up today, talking about this spiritual shadow. So, of course, AI would have it also. You know, I, I, I don't... I'm just thinking about that, yeah, so... Uh, like uh, alchemy. Alchemy was um, people trying to figure out how to make things from stuff, and then it turned into chemistry. It's, yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot of we, – also, we don't know what's going on either. Like all the stuff that we're like, oh, we know what's happening here. Nobody knows what's going on. There's got to be more <laughs> to life than just numbers. Uh, at least I hope so. Uh, have you ever tried to um, capture spirits of like inanimate objects or, or animals or plants? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I have tried to do Curlian photography with plants. So uh, Curlian, <laughs> so in the 70s, uh, it, it's actually been around since the late 1890s. But this idea of, you know, you use, it's a cameraless process where you run an electric current through something and photograph the corona that the electric current makes around an object. Whoa. So haven't you ever seen those like electrified leaves photographs? Like in, supposedly in the 70s, there was somebody who said that they pulled off an edge of the leaf and that the... The aura was still there? The aura was still there. So it's it's a type of photography that plays with the idea of electricity and auras and energy. And there's actually a long history of this type of experimentation. So I did try to do that with a leaf you know, and I've done it like a lot of people have done pictures of coins and, um, you know, different. There's a photographer, Rick Garrett, who's done like full body uh, Curlian photographs. It, it came back. It got really so, popular again in the 70s. So he electrocuted basically. somebody for, for photography? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you do put an electric current through him, but it's very low. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I don't think smoke's yeah. going to come out of their ears or anything. But uh, it's, yeah. Um, Reminds me of Tesla for some reason. Uh, yeah. Let me look through here. Uh, uh, have you ever noticed any drug usage in seances, uh, including alcohol? Is like alcohol a thing that they do while they're doing these well, things? Well, a lot of mediums have famously died of alcoholism. Really? I just, I yeah, like the first mediums, the Fox sisters. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. They died of alcoholism. The famous medium Marjorie died of alcoholism. There's this. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this psychic photographer named Ted Sirios lately, and he used to get really drunk and like do these um, projections with his mind on Polaroid. I've film. seen those. Yeah, those. He's <laughs> crazy, Ted and, Sirios. Yeah, and he used alcohol. But I have to say, in spiritualism, they might drink after, but during a seance, it's not part of the seance. Drugs are not part of any seance I've ever been to. It's their process is much more tied to like mesmerism and hypnosis and getting into a different state of mind, but it's all sober. And in fact, like um, many mediums, they won't even have a glass of wine at dinner if they know they're doing message work after, you know, or later. So it's really, it's just not. (laughs) Right, right. Whereas like, you know, I photographed voodoo and, you know, in those ceremonies, you'll sit, the people will sip, you know, it's not like they don't get wasted, but yeah. they'll pass around like the alcohol and alcohol is 
part is used to call the spirits actually. Um, yeah, but spiritualism is much more like it's much more hypnotic mesmerism type mind state. Have you ever, have you ever been to New Orleans? No, <laughs> no, but I photographed um, voodoo in Brooklyn for a number of years. There's voodoo in Brooklyn. Yeah, in the basements. Um, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I did a project called Basement Voodoo, and I don't know what I'll. It never became a book or anything, but I worked on it for about five years, and I was kind of doing. I kind of wanted to do a comparison project. I wanted to know how and why it was different from spiritualism. And it, yeah, it's so totally different. And I had to photograph it completely uh, in a completely different way. I think you should definitely try to release that. That sounds like an yeah. awesome book. Yeah, I'll have to. Um, yeah, I have a, it's, it's on my list of things <laughs> to get out there. <laughs> very little time out there. Um, if you were able to, um, like, have you ever thought about this? This might also be stretching it way far, but like uh, taking pictures of uh, other like extraterrestrials or UFOs or. You know, I stay away from the UFO stuff <laughs> because the UFO stuff is so charged. But uh, it's also it's all related, you know, uh, meaning. A lot of mediums have had UFO experiences. Oh. A lot of people who, like you'll see, if you look and read the stories of UFO abduction, a lot of people see spirits of the dead on the ships. Like Whitley Strieber just wrote a book, recently wrote a book about, you know, he's one of the most famous abductees ever. Yep. Um, and he wrote a book about like how his wife died and now he communicates with his wife. So there's a lot of connection between all of the, like, you know, Bigfoot and mediumship and UFOs, it's all kind of connected in this imaginal realm. Uh, but I don't really pursue the UFO stuff. It's so charged in a way that is, um, I don't know, it's, it's, you can't make heads or tails of what's going on there. I think it's like one of the most complicated topics to research or do work about. And it's, it's very so I, hard to identify. Yeah, yeah. Now you have the government with the disclosure stuff, and um, like what is going on? It's very yeah. <laughs> it's just it's such a rabbit hole. Have uh, have you ever had a paranormal experience? Uh, yes, yeah. I've had a bunch of different types of paranormal experience. Really? Like, can, can you yeah. share? Can you share one? Um, sure. Well, so the only time I've ever seen a spirit. Is was not in a seance. It was not. It was. I was in my apartment in New York. I don't know. I was probably, you know, in my late twenties, mm. early thirties, um, and I woke up and I looked at, at the end of my bed. There was a closet, and the closet door was open, and I could see. I could see a person in the closet, and it was. He, this guy was dressed in like a basketball, <laughs> like <laughs> like glo uh, like Harlem Globetrotter type thing, okay. and I could see his hair sticking up from behind my clothes, and he had a basketball, and I could see his shorts and his socks, and but he was hiding behind my dresses, and I was like, he looked like it looked like a time warp. He looked like it was like he was like nineteen seventies going out to play basketball. He's like, where am I? <laughs> and I got so scared and I just like 
kind of looked and I felt him, I felt something come back at me as if he was just afraid of me as I was of him. Hmm. And then I was like, I can't deal with this. And I closed my eyes and then I went back to sleep and I woke up and, you know, it was gone. Uh, so I don't know if it was a waking dream or something, but it felt very, very real, yeah. yeah, very real. I had that with a, a shadow person. Like I woke up and he was oh. standing at the edge of my bed and it was, it was as real as could be. But I'll tell you that did, I, I was, couldn't move. Ugh. Did it? Oh, were you a sleep paralysis? Yeah, I was totally... But I knew what was happening while it was going on, so I wasn't really scared. I was like, all right, I'm totally... I can't move. I can't do anything, and I should just experience this. So I, I remember just, like, staring at him at the edge of my bed, and then uh, it, just, it just... It wasn't horrifying. It was kind of just like, oh, this is kind of real. This is, It was very bizarre. But, Did um, it only happen once? Uh, yeah, that was the only time that ever happened. But then I had this other thing called a... Uh, I forget what it's called, but it was like a loud explosion in my head. I think they actually call it like a head explosion. It sounds like oh. like a thunderbolt, of, like uh, thunder just going off in your head while you're sleeping. It was very wild. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was that, those were like the two things that I've ever had an experience with. Well, I've met people who have the shadow thing happen to them every single night. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's... And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty intense. Actually, that... Um, also too, there's, you know, there's the whole sex ghost thing. Oh, that that also happened in Ghostbusters. Yes. <laughs> oh, Dan and, Aykroyd. Did you, have you ever met Dan Aykroyd? Cause he yeah. did the forward to your uh -huh. book. Yeah. 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 Um, I, yeah, I met him. He was at Lilydale. Oh, and so wow. That must've been I a got, great trip. Yeah. Yeah. I got to meet him. I got to meet his father. Uh, I got to meet his family. Um, yeah, his dad wrote a book called A History of Ghosts. That's pretty good. It's about uh, the history of all this stuff, and it's about their family. Huh. Um, yeah, his dad's passed now, but I met him before he died. Very, very. That's Dan Aykroyd seems like a really stand-up guy. <laughs> oh, he is. He's the best. He's such a nice person. Um, uh, and really, really, really knowledgeable about all this stuff. Yeah, he's an encyclopedia. I've, I've watched a lot of videos him talking about it, and just like he knows his stuff. Yeah, and a decent, decent vodka as well. I like. Uh, oh yeah, the, the Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull. Um, all right. The final question I have for you. Yes. Do you like Star Trek? Um. Yeah, but I, I'm not. I don't. You're not In theory, big... yes, but I'm not like a super fan. I, I, I would love to go. I should go back and watch the vintage stuff. So uh, I guess I'm guessing you're like a fan of. Uh, well, who's your favorite Star Trek person? Like Kirk or Spock or? Well, I guess it would be Spock. And also, what I am a fan of is Spock. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy did a. He did this great paranormal series in the '70s. I think mm. it was like In Search of, <coughs> and um. And so I know Leonard Nimoy like hosted that. Yeah. So, right. yeah, but I, you know, I, I feel like uh, I was disappointing on that answer. So no, I you're, you're not. It's just, it's just something that I always ask people. Um, oh, is there anything you'd like to promote? Um, yeah. So I, I do have a mailing list and on my website, I have uh, just listed my Lilydale symposium, which is happening July 27th, 28th, 29th. Mm-hmm. And I'm hosting a lot of, it's like a full program about uh, art and related topics to the paranormal. 
And the guys from Weird Studies podcast are going to do a live podcast, and I'm going to do a talk, and there's going to be a bunch of, uh, you know, talks and discussions, and so that's all up on my website. And then I do have, I'm working on another book that'll be out in fall 2024, so... Um, Can we get a little insight on that? What's, what's yeah, that uh, it's kind of a long story. I'll try to condense it. Uh, have you ever heard of the book Black Oak Speaks? Black Oak Speaks. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so it's like a it's a book about a Native American medicine man, and it was written by this American poet named John Nyhart. He actually uh, the Black Elk told his story, and then Nyhart kind of did a poetic like rewriting of it. Okay. Anyway, Nyhart. Um, started a seance group with his students. He was a really famous American writer. And he started a, a seance group with his students, and it went on for like 50 years. And <coughs> sorry, I Sorry. It's all good. Having a... Sorry. <laughs> um, so he started the seance group for 50 years, and I, long story short, I have the whole archive. Oh. And a lot of it's never been seen before. I have audio, film photo and i'm i'm writing about it and editing it into a book how did you get your hands on that oh gosh it's a long story it's because tom <laughs> works for the government and tom got it for you through black black channels or something something like that something Ooh. like that actually i should well i i was i'm working with a sociologist who studied the group for 40 years and he has a book out called the entity letters Ooh. Which is a great book. That's his book about the group, but it doesn't have any of the pictures or art in it. Um, so I'm doing the the material culture of Sorat. Awesome. All right. Well, it was great talking to you, Shannon. Uh, Thank you. ShannonTaggart.com. Go there, check it out. New book, Seance. Getting great reviews. It's a great book. And, uh, yeah, I'm so excited to have it released. Oh, and I'm doing an event in New York on May 12th, Friday, May 12th. Maybe I'll have to get my book signed down there. Oh, yeah. So that's all, all of that will be posted on my website. Very cool. All right. Thank you so much, Shannon. And uh, all right. talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All thanks. Right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
happy happy 420 everybody happy 420 uh shannon taggart man that interview made me realize a couple things some people are very intellectual some people just uh are in tune or tapped in doing things um and are um uh just interesting and then there's me <laughs> it's a uh, my mic, my thing, my mic is too bassy. The 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 little bit of the feedback that was coming from that might have been me, that might have been on on my side. I'm sorry, I was because I was listening to the audio and then and I'm really stoned. So when you're listening to it and you're and you're thinking about it, I gotta fix this. I got this. I have to set up. Uh, I have to get my interviewing um, skills up because when you're interviewing somebody that that's like that good and then you listen to it, you're like, I I suck. They're so good. I have maybe maybe I could either do that or just do nothing and just get wor- worse guests. Nah, I like having good guests. It's it's great talking to people that are tapped into reality. Uh, whoa, there's a lot of voicemails here. Let's check one out. Nine one seven seven one nine five nine two three. Oh, I missed my chance. Banana. <laughs> Did you say ban- is uh, is the is the Google Translate here on the word banana correct on that one? Nine one seven seven nine five nine two three. Hey man, I was uh, listening to your uh, latest podcast. It's called uh, Wordless. I haven't finished it, but I was, uh, I got to the point where you said, uh, well, <laughs> hey, I was drunk in those voicemails. Now, listen, he was, he was talking about what the purpose of this podcast is. I was, you know, I was question, trying to question with you. I didn't really want an answer because I already knew what the answer was, the purpose of you, what you're doing is. Is that you? You're actually, you're not trying to understand life. Is that you're actually... Running away, not running, well, running away from life or resisting life. But we don't realize it. And, and you know, it's very tricky to, to understand life, but it can, it can be, it's possible for us. Like I said before, yeah. it's your responsibility Hi, caller. as well. Hi. You have to understand Hi. how to have to go a little Happy bit before 20, Nick. You know? I mean, this is Happy. all. Happy. Wait, uh, hold on. or whatever, but. Hold on and a second. You answer. Serious things. I'm saying in life, it's it's no longer I'm, I'm, there's, I have a, I have a, a great, very important a voicemail that's teaching me the meaning of we're life right now. Ourselves. And we're talking we're actually, over. Right. I could like learn something observing. about how I could change reality. Our observation but is not I'm, by now I can't hear it because I'm talking over it. You have to get down because you said we're true. But I think it's gonna be okay. Well, how do you know that's true? I don't know anything is true anymore. You can't have any kind of belief if you really want to question. Um, hold, caller? And you're going to have to Am I here? Am I the caller? Caller. Awareness to watch yourself. Hold on. There we go. Okay. I had to turn off that. Am, uh, I, li- the, am I listening I, or participating? I was yeah. learning too much from that phone, that uh, voicemail. You are, you are currently a participator. Well, I missed the voicemail. I kind of like called on purpose. No. I kind of accidentally called, but then I was like, yeah, yeah, let's interrupt this voicemail. 
Happy 420 caller. Down. Are you Happy are you smoking right now? I'm smoking. I lit a cigarette when I when the phone was the phone rang like on its own as I set the controller down. I'm playing 64 or something. I it was paused for a minute, but I set it down and the phone rang because I was looking for you in my contact when I clicked on you. And I'm like, all right, not yet, not yet. I'm listening to that stupid voice now. Then then I set the controller down and it dialed. And I'm like, all right, well it's dialing. Lit a cigarette and you answered. And then I couldn't tell if you were really there or if I was listening. Maybe I'm not Sometimes really that here. happens in radio. You know, you're listening and you're not part of it. They keep you on hold or something. This is hold. No, but you're you're there. Happy no, you're me. currently on hold, <laughs> caller. This is um uh, like waiting awesome. for Godot. Yeah. It's but all you're in your head, bro. You're currently you're waiting really for Nick the Rat. Nick, do you realize? I don't think, other than my mother. I don't think anybody's ever answered the phone as like consistently high percentage as you. Like when oh, I oh. want to call you and I try to call you, there you are. You're right. Your mother never picks up. I call her all the time. And she no, just... no. <laughs> no, dude. She always used to answer the phone for me. Same. We're in the same boat, buddy. She, she's the only one that had that kind of consistency. Nobody else answers my phone call. Except Nick and my mom. But Nick's doing it today. So well, that's cool. that's I love you more than your mom does, okay? So. <laughs> and, it's true. Uh, 18th of April was my dad's birthday, which would have been 75 for him. 75? But he, he was younger than mom, and they both been gone like a decade. Dang. They, they're cool. How, how, what? Probably already told you. How long do you want to be around for? Do you want to be like 150, 200, or no, like no, no. 30? I mean, I'm, I like what's planned for me. So I think I know what's going to happen and I'm okay with it. So there's not, I kind of want that. I'm, that's, that's I'm not arguing it. I want to be I'm, I want to be as old as I can agreement. until um I can't. I guess I have the same answer as you. You're right. Yeah. I think you're going to live longer than me. The thing is with me, I've been told what I what's going to and it's like screwed with my head. So Somebody gave you I a, think I'm a gonna prediction have a heart on your attack death? faster than everyone else has had heart attacks in my family. Are you then, are you close to 70? <laughs> I'm going to turn 40 soon. Okay, so... But my brother had a heart attack, I think, when he was like 50 or 51 or something. And I found out like two years after. So like even... He had a different dad, but everybody's having heart attacks. Well, the, you know, the, the longer you live... Have you heard... So you're Have you heard this, Nick, that we got heart disease and cancer are the one and two. And number three is medical malpractice in America, the deaths. Is that right? I thought it was uh, dysentery. That's maybe a long time ago. With the Oregon Trail game, have you been playing that? Maybe. Played Oregon Trail yesterday or something? I might be playing it right now. You're playing it right now. Because it's 420, you're playing Oregon Trail. 
That's what's going on. Half my family just died of dysentery. Dude, They're coming for me. I wish I could play that fucking game right now. That's so much fun. The dysenterians are coming. Third grade. I played that on the computers early in elementary school. I remember. Did you Did you win? Are you winning? I don't remember, I don't remember that. Yeah, I was I not good at that. I, I probably played that game for about four minutes and died. And I was like, well, okay, that was the Oregon Trail. No, I played it all the time. I used to always sneak into the computer room in elementary school. And at that elementary school, I got in trouble because I tossed my backpack over the railing from the second floor to the first floor. My friend caught it. Like, what What was the problem with that? He was right there. He, he caught it? it to him. Did he, like, catch he it with it? his yeah. face and you it's broke like his neck and he died? Feet down there, you know what I mean? Just a little balcony and everybody wanted to, like, give us detention. And you guys are in trouble and stuff, like. We were just kids passing our backpacks across the balcony. Big deal. Was your was your we backpack full of uh, uh, auto- automatic had, like, uh, machine two guns? Books in it or something? No. Did it you have just, like cool ninja swords in there? It had just a perfect amount of weight to like toss it down to. Them. It was I don't just know how books. I remember that part was it? Was, there was there wasn't even any pornography in there. <laughs> no, it was too early for that. So you got in trouble for. Throwing, the backpack, throwing books, there. throwing your you throwing your backpack to somebody catching just it. Like, yeah, just a friend who caught it. They're like, hey, right there, boom, twenty feet down there. No you should have. You should have. Uh, it was like a big deal. Somebody could have got hurt. You guys. You should have you know, said that whoever that, that teacher was raped you. You should be like that teacher just raped me. <laughs> I've Maybe been that's where, where what happens. People get little kids get angry and shit. They, some of that's retaliation well yeah you got you got fucked I'll, I'll get you with this look at what i told everyone you got that's probably on your permanent record you're probably still suffering like can you find work today <laughs> do they know about this yeah. you know damn well <clears throat> i got two jobs Nick. you're unhireable you threw a backpack no, to no. somebody that caught it i'm that was a long time ago i'm one of those guys right now who actually does work Everybody in America is like uh, focused on their well, mental well-being. Can you give me your uh, boss's name? I got to call him right now and tell him to fire you. You threw a backpack. A lot of bosses. Which boss do you want to talk to? You know how many bosses people got when they work in I want to talk to your backpack boss. 17. My backpack is not something I would throw over an elementary school railing today. Because it contains things that it didn't back then. Now it has cool ninja swords in it. Are you a ninja? Do you have ninja bosses? I do. I did. I did think of myself as a ninja earlier this evening. I was really using that word in my head. I knew it. The edibles are kicking in. Earlier. Earlier. That's cool that you said that. I wish I had edibles right now, Nick. I'm scared of the edibles I bought. I think there needs to be more regulation in um, New York City's marijuana businesses. If they sell food you to you, sure, where's the FDA? Make sure, to put your, make sure to put your P.O. box tonight. My P.O. My, so my I, po box? My, my P, you know, so I can send you shit, but I, I want to remember and I'll find, at least I know this episode, I'll find. I have to right send away. you stuff. I, I need to send you a, a like a, a well, street street package. Let me do it first. Whatever. Street sweep that. I'm just sweep a sweep. dickhead caller. Hey, caller, what's up? Which side of the Rockies? What? You don't even know. Uh, I'm on the... Uh, no, I don't I mean, even know where the Rockies are. 
Rocky Road? Wait. I think they're in Europe. Rocky Balboa? East East. Oh, that's a baseball team in Colorado. Now I remember. You're definitely yeah, in east. You're east of you're east of the Rockies. Yeah, I am. For now. Yeah. yeah. But you're um in the western hemisphere, right? You're east of the Rockies so. in the western hemisphere. In the uh, northern north me. of the equator. How much of your Guinness did you drink? I'm two in, but I also had some edibles that I don't okay. know what's in them because okay. they could sell you whatever you like, they want now in the stores. What do you like IPA wise, Nick? Are you into the two hearted or? Ah, uh, you know, for IPA, I like um a lightly flavored one with cool art on the can. Me too. I like the art a lot. But I think that's the best part about IPAs what? is the cans and cool art. Definitely. Because so why don't why why like are there like regions. cans of like pilsners or some shit or uh, <laughs> other sorts of beer that have cool art on the can? What's wrong? But I, something about an IPA to me feels like a meal. It's similar to Guinness, except if you have an alcohol tolerance that I've never had a Guinness. Oddly enough, even though my name rhymes with it and all that. But I've never never had one. I just know that it's. I just recently found out how low in alcohol it is. It's, it's like five percent, maybe like four four point five, four, maybe seven. I thought. Yeah, it's probably under five. But it, like the same as High Life. It's just a beer. So you go. It's like a five percent. It's like beer. so heavy that you got you can't chug it the same way as High Life, and an IPA kind of feels like a meal, and you can chug it, and it gets you fucked up, and. It's different than I've never even gotten to Guinness. I'm only thinking about Guinness like principally and you know, philosophically or whatever. Yeah, but IPAs you but can't even drink them that fast the, either because they got the like that, so that flavor to them. They got that like. Ugh. I think they're all <clears throat> unique. They are unique. Aren't they? They're as unique as the artwork that they put onto them. But why? So many why isn't there more unique other beers? What kind of liquors do you like? Uh, all of them, especially you like from behind. <laughs> uh, what? Spice rum is my favorite kind of uh, liquor, and I get kind of Sailor Jerry's bars. is my favorite spiced rum. Sailor Jerry, this um, friend of mine I work with has a cool Sailor Jerry's like metal sign. Can you steal it and send it to my PO box? No, he'll give it to me, and I'll I'll play this. I'll tell him I talked to Nick about it. No, don't don't tell but, him. Just slowly look, steal to tell it from you, him and send, sorry, go ahead. send it to my po box. No, don't steal it from. Don't. don't oh, you do, dude. I'm gonna get it. Do not steal. Great it. idea. That's a great idea. Anyways, I'm not gonna forget that. So I wanted to tell you about um, when I go to bars, they got like 80 whiskeys, dude, and then one spice rum. One. What are you gonna have, Captain? It's like whatever is uh, popular at the time. No, there's just Captain everywhere. And then everybody likes whiskey. Whiskey. Or like, what well, do you drink Jameson in this city? Jameson's good. I don't have a problem with it. I've gotten used to it, obviously. 
Maker's Mark is my favorite whiskey. Like, we're doing shots. What shot do I want to get for my friends? Okay, Jameson. Did you hear about bullet whiskey or something? Bullet. I have heard of it. I don't think I've had it. But I like I like it. It's whiskey, cheap, but I heard the I think saying, the owners man. are, are racist or something. There, they're, they're horrible. Aren't there like a million whiskeys? Why are there so many? Why can't there be like half that many spice rums? There's a lot of spice rums. Think... There's Kraken. There's Sailor Jerry's. That's there's... like two percent of the whiskeys, though, Nick. <laughs> Seriously, well, you know, spice rum. It's um, it's kind of like a flavored. I like spice just, rum. I wish there were like a more choice when you go out. Just go get a, a Mount Gay and stick a cinnamon stick in it. That sounds really gay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with sounding gay. Get a, get a cinnamon I'm, stick I'm and stick you. it in some Mount Gay and there's your spiced rum. Like high quality stuff. Spice rum and 7-Up taste like cream soda. Spiced rum... And Sierra Mist. Tastes like cream soda. Good. Sprite. Okay, Sprite can be number three. Can I talk shit about Sprite? You could talk shit about the Sprite. Corporate sponsor. And I haven't. I, uh, so. I haven't even seen Sprite. Miles, say hi to Nick. What's going on? He knows who you are. Yeah. He left you a stupid voicemail before we really figured out who you are. Wait, is it Harmonica Man? Is Harmonica Man in your house? No, he's not the Harmonica Man. But he started blabbing his number and you cut him off. That's that guy. Miles, the DJ guy. Oh, is that is, is it good that I cut him off, though, right? Because, you know, he shouldn't be. He's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Let me say, you know. He's my roommate, though. He's all right. We're trying to take care of each other. That's cool. Yeah, I'm lucky. Does he have any cool um, things you could steal from him and send it to my P.O. box? No, dude, it's the other way around. Um, The the coolest thing about this, the weirdest thing, I've never been the most responsible person where I live. But I am now. That's weird. Normally, I'm the scumbag where I live. You understand? Find something cool. And then no, steal it. He has, he's, and no, we're it gathering you. gold shit together. He just has a nice bicycle. Does he have any gold chains, like gold watches? Maybe some uh, rings with jewels on them. No, I, I don't could, think so. I really want. I really want rings with gigantic yeah. <laughs> gems. I'm gonna send you the Sailor Jerry sign from my uh, coworker. I don't know how much that is to mail, though, to a P.O. box. You could you could just take a picture of it. it Uh, Steal his house and send me the house. Because if you're going to go all in on the on the postage, I think you're going to like the Sailor Jerry thing, and I can make this happen. Well, you you could try stuff. You could uh, fold it up. It's a nice metal sign, dude. You know, like. uh, Foot and a half by three feet or something. Like. Jeez, that's pretty fucking big. It's like a little, maybe it's smaller than that. I don't know, but it's like Sailor Jerry and it's got some cooler. I don't remember, but I just saw it like two and a half hours ago. My, right my P.O. box is only here. about three inches big. Hanging out with this, it's my new coworker who was told by another coworker 
who they know each other. They're like, you take care of this guy. And this guy's like buying me beers tonight. And we went to this other bar that I've been to before, and everything was awesome. Then I went upstairs where he lives, and that's where he showed me this thing. He gave oh. a couple of them away to this other coworker. Well, if I ever like meet you, I'll take you out and get you drunk and show you a couple things too. All these metal. It was like uh, American Pickers. Wow. You know, they always go after those metal signs. The gas well, yeah, metal is a, it's good. It's, it's conductive. He had, he's like, I paid 150 bucks for all these, and I'm going to get it all back on this one Budweiser. <laughs> I have no time to resell stuff. There seems to be a lot of people making a lot of money reselling things. Yeah, people get into it. It's interesting. It is. I'm not into it, but I like it when people get excited about stuff when they're passionate. I'm like, hell yeah, dude, look at you. Right. Do your thing. Yeah. It's and especially if they you know they steal stuff and they send it to your P.O. box. <laughs> I feel the same way about religion. When people are excited about their religion and maybe I don't necessarily agree. Well if he has a Bible, you could steal that Hell and send yeah, it to me dude, too. Tell me more, you know, that's awesome. I'll take a is there a metal Bible? Um, filled with yeah, rum it's made of gold and I'm going to put it in your P.O. box Nick. put it in my P.O. box to the sewer everybody send your gold and silver to Nick can we make what a we should do. Bible flasks we need like a, can we get like a pawn shop in the sewer and get a commercial Ooh, going the dark sewer pawn shop can I be part of this we can probably build it right next to the dark sewer porn shop and then people get confused they'll be like we don't want to go to pawn or the porn then we have a lawn shop comes. too, where they sell <laughs> microwaves. Nick, I don't think I've told you this before about me. I do have a degree in radio. I think it's like 2004, so it's like you, know, you have a degree. I'm not in working. Radio? I don't have my own fucking podcast. I'm just an idiot. It's like the you guys are all tech smart now. You know, everybody's a coder and everything. I can't stupid, code so squat. Kinda, once you once you lose confidence in computers, it's really hard to compete in fucking radio, right? And not really. You just have to talk. You need a good microphone. A you need to have a good sound, and good sound is hard to do. But that's all you need is the sound. Yeah. I'm authentic, and good is uh, subjective. So the sound is not very subjective. Is okay, too. Sometimes bad kicks ass, and people want to hear that, too. That's true, like lo-fi, like a lo-fi podcast. I want my audio no, no. to run but, through a Like adjusting filter. the sound qualities and all that stuff is somebody else's job. Or, like, I don't know how to handle all that. You're talking like an Adam Curry rock and roll star who can do it all and bust a move. And did, did, you ever hear of a somebody, a did you ever hear of somebody named Art Bell? Sure. Sure, I did know all. Well, he, did he do it all by himself, him, or did he have as people? Much as you do. Did, did he sure. have a team of people doing? He did stuff himself, and he was a he was like a ham dude. That, that's how I'm talking. That's what I mean. Is I never really found my team with radio. I found, or I never found my team with gambling. So I've been kind of lost without a team in different stupid ways. You should make a gambling podcast. No, I mean, gambling 
could be incorporated in a podcast, but there's other things. I wouldn't want to focus too much on one thing with a podcast. And I don't think you do either. You could have a podcast where you do ASMR num like lucky numbers. I, I don't I don't want to be the the like three individual who controls a podcast. Twenty nine. I, I want to be a part of a baseball team in a way. Oh so I want like nine guys on my podcast and we're all part of a position that matters. Some of us take, aren't there take another days. podcast over. Just go on the swoop in and take it over. Find one you like. Yeah. And it's just something that'll happen when I go to sleep. You you've taken over this podcast. You're you're hey, currently the host of it. Damn right I have. You're telling me I'm acceptable? Well thank you. Yeah, that you're you're on funny, Nick. I answer your phone and I let you just take you control of the show. Everybody? You're you're pretty much this is a caller. You always answer my phone call, Nick. This caller run caller. stuff here. Even when I talk, I'm listening to you. Caller stuff. <laughs> so whose podcast door, can baby. you steal and send to my P.O. box? If you could just steal somebody's podcast and send it to me, we could just implement it over here. What we about already genitals? Have, we have scientists working on stuff. Genitals? Yeah, I mean, rodents and squirrels. We could send, like, parts to you. We could make a new dime. Caller? Caller, are you there? Well, that was... That was a little strange. Let's listen to Teen Spirit by Witches. Load up on guns, bring your friends. It's fun to oh, dear. listen to pretend. She's overboard and self-assured. Oh no, I know what dirty
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Nick the Rat Radio. Skibidi bop bop boo. Wait, where's the button? Hello. Oh. We're going to thank some people. We have a P.O. box. Somebody sent a letter. Let's open this up. Wow, these edibles are really kicking in. Got to read the, uh, what is the, oh, there it is. Nick the Rat Radio, P.O. Box 90549, Brooklyn, New York, 11209. This is from Sir Mike Raj, Ph.D. Interesting payment and chargeback. 69 cent check. That's the good stuff right there. Thank you so much there, Sir Dr. McCrotch. You can also go to nicktherat.com and you can click on, um, uh, what's that called? Donate. You click Donate button and there's a way to donate via PayPal. There's a subscription fee of $4.20 or you can just do whatever you want to do. I read uh, donation amounts and initials because I don't dox people and any notes. So let's thank some people if there's anybody to thank this week. Uh, how do I do this here? Oh, that, okay. Uh, it looks like we have, whoa, this is a big one. $15.69. Spread the sewage. Lavish. Lavish actually sent that last week. And now, Lavish and Booberry. I'm going to have you on the show soon. I'm going to talk to you on the, uh, the No Agenda Social. Uh, I want to work some. I want to. I want to work something in, and I want to, I want to make sure my sound is good and and everything is going smoothly. But uh, thank you so much for that donation, and I definitely want to talk to you guys very soon. I am back. We shall spread the sewage together. Uh, we also have LB with four twenty. LB, thank you so much for uh, the $4.20. And I hope to talk to you again soon. We have KR with 420. KR, thank you so much. You've been around for a long time. And uh, I hope you are getting your 420s worth. Uh, yeah. And we also have. IC with 420. I knew IC was coming up because IC always comes up after KR. Uh, cheers to everybody that has donated. You have supplied me with alcohol this this week. Whoa. Booze money. I just filed my taxes. I was pretty much able able to uh, write off all the money the show has made this year. So it was not taxed. It was around, uh, I think it was like around 4,000, four, four and a half. It wasn't five. It was under, 
So thank you for everybody that has donated. Last year, you have generated around $4,500,000 for Nick the Rat Radio. And I think I drank it all. Let's see how we do next year. You can also donate via Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Uh, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you could give me a couple bucks a month for free. Click on subscribe and twitch.tv slash nickthrat, blah, 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 scooby-doo. Go to nickthrat.com. Yibba-dibba-day. Scooby-dibba-day. Have a good time. Woo! Two hours ago, Ducky on resubbed with Prime. They've been subbed for 45 months. Ducky, cheers to you and to those 45 months. Of Prime resubbing. Uh, two hours ago, Trey from Philly resub for a month at Tier 1. They've been sub for 16 months. Trey from Philly is trying to catch up to you, Ducky, on. And I think that's all the donations this week. Um, we're probably going to play a quick commercial break. And then we're going to come back and we'll listen to some more music and have... A lot more show. It's almost midnight in the next story. It's almost 4.20 in the next uh, next place. Next place? What is... Um, next place. Uh, this looks like pool piss back here. Alright. Hold on one second here. Um, thank you everybody again for all the donations. Um, it helps. It helps. It does help. That money was pretty much desperately needed. <laughs> so that was a uh, because the scientists here they're doing their part and keeping keep. I'm so fucking shaky. Okay, ah, uh, they're doing their part. But you know, viewers like you are, are what makes the. Uh, wait, hold on one second. We're just getting a letter here saying we have to play some advertisements for giant mega corporations because that's where the real money is. And uh, but thanks. All right, okay, we're gonna play some ads. We'll be we'll be back in a minute. For the most clearest sounding radio in HD radio, now only on the Dark Sewer Network. HD radio can be yours for only sixty nine ninety nine. Why get shitty low defecation radio when you get the highest defecation radio in existence? Order now! Pooh Raiders standing by 917 Tarantino presents The army taught them to kill and protect themselves. They learn fast. They learn good. So good, they could protect themselves back home too. Brotherhood of Death. 
sure did ask for it. And Whitey started getting it back. And Whitey started getting scared. Give you the Grand Cyclops. Let the righteous arm of the Ku Klux Klan reach out and smite those who would dare to defile our Christian civilization. Brotherhood of Death. A picture that explodes on the screen with dynamite action. Paid to protect white folks, not niggas. I am paid to keep the peace. Nigger lover! If they want war, man, let's give it to them. Do you think that you can put on evil spirit costumes and call yourself dragons? And burn crosses? And all the darkies were shaking their shoes. Well, these darkies are about to do you in. Mother. Brotherhood of Death. See the brothers fight fire with fire. Revenge a sister's rape. A brother's death. The murder of their only only friend. See the brothers stick it to the clan. Jefferson and Mike Thomas, stars of the Washington Redskins. See special guests Mike Bass, Frank Grant, Reggie Rucker, and others. Die, nigga. See Roy Jefferson make moves you've never seen before. See it all. See it now. Brotherhood of Death. From Downtown Distribution Corporation. Rated R. Uh, well, and well then, um, arcade by Luck Joe.
excuse observation. Oh, we'll have to get into it later. I'll call you. Thinking like that, you'll be out of here in no time, Nick. Keep it up, son. Keep it up. So uh, the guard goes to the next uh, door. Peers inside uh, door three's little window. And he looks in there and sees it's a harmonica man. He's sitting cross-legged in the middle of his room. And he's looking... out the window into the clear sky. Is this Johnny Depp? And the guard looking at him bangs on the bangs on the, the door and says, Mr. Harmonica, what the fuck are you doing, boy, staring out in that sky? There ain't no birds or clouds out there. And the harmonica man says, Brother, do you have a conflict? you have an inward conflict within yourself or with one of us? You know, sir, because if you have a conflict, you can't really be happy and live fully now. Most of us live and strive on conflict, sir. But there is no real conflict. And our conflict is illusion. And illusion is conflict. If we are living in illusion, that means we are living in conflict, sir. We are divided inwardly, and this is... That love beating you gave me earlier won't hold me forever. Beat this. What the hell? (laughs) Wow. I don't know what that was, but uh, that was something. Let's uh, listen to one of these voicemail things. Thank you so much, Marcella. 
Hey, Nick, it's me, Terry, from Philly. Hey, I'm driving through the mountains at my job. Is that okay, brother? I just want to call and uh, leave a voicemail so I can do some more harm to your psyche. That's the only way you're going to fucking learn. What? It's through pain, sir. You must go through this pain. You must be disturbed, sir. Sir, we would rather conform to a pattern, no matter how what, how off you put it or whatever, how many different ways you want to draw it. We'd rather conform to a pattern than risk the pain of flop, sir. But you must risk it, sir. Otherwise, you'll never know what love is, sir. I want to clear something up about Zindu. I called Zindu a bitch. I was, 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 I was being a bit tad bit mouthy, sir. And what I meant was that not only is he a fucking bitch, and what I mean by bitch is this. <laughs> he doesn't, he's not a female dog, sir. No, Zindu is a complaint. Zindu is a person who will spend, who can potentially spend his entire life complaining about life and never actually using his energy or words to solve his problems. He'll just complain about them for temporary relief because it feels good to get up every Wednesday and stick some dicks up my ass and fucking shout out something on oh fucking my podcast. <laughs> Hold on, brother. I'm going down the mountains and going through a curve, nigga. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Cut that part. Cut that last part. No racism allowed on this show. So, uh, back to the point. God damn it. Where was I, Nicholas? Say it out loud. Where was I? Okay, Zindu is a bitch. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Wait, he's a complaint, sir. Can we hang up on this guy? You never have you ever dropped something on your foot? You're like, oh, bitch, right? You didn't mean, oh, something. You're you're when you say bitch, you're actually expressing what you're doing, <clears throat> and you're bitching. You're complaining, but complaining doesn't solve problems. But that that never occurs to us. Listen, listen. To express our problems. Is a temporary relief, but it doesn't fundamentally solve our problems, so we live our lives in problems, in conflict, in illusion, like I was getting at you earlier. But the reason... I don't know what... I don't know what you were talking about, caller, but, uh... My sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will... They will never hurt me. You could call me a rat. You could, uh, do anything. Just... I I get upset when people when they like get into your face and they like start to try to like spit on you while they're talking like threat like they're not just saying bad words then at that point they're 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 trying to get into a, a physical alteration um but people that call people names how could that upset anybody it's it's like one of the biggest signs of like ignorance like using words to describe somebody in a way that you think they won't be happy with it like um um like if i was to say that 
Blast Caller could only play his harmonica after he pulled it out of his own ass because he likes the taste of his he he likes to the taste of his feces and he when he talks he likes to have his feces to to go flying from his mouth that he um flying all over everybody around him like spewing he likes to muck spray his fecal harmonica shit at everybody like does that, does that really upset him I don't know but he shouldn't let it because they're just you know I just was saying words about about um, his harmonica and how and and why it smells like fecal fecal juice Let's listen to another voicemail. Morocco Murray. Morocco Murray. That Mark Murray. <laughs> Mr. Mark Murray. Rock, Bill, and Men, and Cinnamon, and Denim. Elemino. Hey, I was trying to uh, speak freely again, but I got scared again. But listen. <laughs> I, uh, sir, I'll make this quick. <laughs> I'm going to ramble on. <laughs> sir, I'll make this quick. <laughs> oh.
Who's this lady, though? You know what? Maybe I too could be ninja. I want to be ninja. I want to be ninja. I learn to chop your hard. I fight with credit card. I use my nunchucks even while feeding ducks. I learn by ninja kicks while watching Netflix. I try to everything like on the big screen. And you guys, you know what? what? I might do it. I might be a ninja soon. I gonna be ninja. First of all, if I was that Asian, uh, I gonna be turn ninja. Turn it off. Turn it off. Okay, it's off. If I was that Asian lady, I'd order. I gonna chop, 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 chow down, take chow down to Chinatown. <laughs> this is the most racist shit I've ever heard in my life, and it makes me laugh so hard. You want to hear something really fascinating? Sure. So in Egypt, there is a black market for antiquities. Now let's just talk mummies alone. How much is a mummy? The estimated yearly black market revenue for mummies alone is between estimated two to six billion dollars a year. So let's go People with four just billion. Buying mummies? All right. If they're saying estimated between two and six billion, let's just go with four. Right. That that's a year. Right. And just mummies. So here's something else. The Purdue family and the Sackler family, you've heard of them? They were the ones that yep. did the Oxycontin. Why don't you look just how much money they've put into Egyptian antiquities and museums around the world? So these people have an incredible interest in Egyptian antiquities. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I find that quite interesting that some of the richest, powerful people on Earth are really into this stuff. Did you know that there's a lot of controversy about a leaked FBI document that exposes that at least one undercover FBI agent was sent into the Catholic Church? So we dug into the report and we found that they were looking into a smaller group of Catholics in an attempt to find white supremacists. Power of visualization, a mystical and philosophical concept that encourages us to create our own reality by focusing on what we want to manifest. Visualization is the mental act of picturing the desired outcome or goal in the mind's eye. This cognitive process transcends the realm of mere imagination and delves into the mystical depths of human consciousness, where thoughts become reality. Uh, well, I, well, I know one thing. Joseph Need, in his book Science and Civilization in China, mm -hmm. mentions there was a Buddhist monk in Athens around the time of Plato. Mm -hmm. And there was another Buddhist monk arrived in Rome at the time of Marcus Aurelius. Hmm. Yeah. So there were contacts, at mm -hmm. least two. Yeah, and it wouldn't take much, uh, really. Uh, it just takes a few people to transmit an idea from one place to another. Oh, and then there was Apollonius of Tiana, who went all over the Mediterranean teaching. He spent a couple of years in India mm -hmm. studying there. Mm -hmm. Was he a Stoic? No, but he well, he brought back uh, Oh, ideas but he brought back ideas from there, yeah. To the Mediterranean world. Right, right. Uh, the thing that always attracted me to Zen, I think, is that it's, uh, it, it, I guess it is its very transportability. It's such, and like Stoicism, it's kind of a no-frills philosophy. You don't have to, there isn't a whole lot of, there isn't a whole lot of baggage or gingerbread with it, you know. There isn't a whole lot of stuff you have to believe. Uh, and, uh, 
and that's good because you know I still do have this very strong uh, skeptical streak in me and and uh, you know you can be a skeptic and confront Zen and there's very little you can be skeptical about you know there's very little in it that you know, that, a, that, that a that a hard-headed skeptic can attack um, about the Kessler trade yeah Arthur Kessler he is a funny man um, he was a funny man it was one of the probably one of the most uh, one, one, really one of the most intelligent uh, and, and, and well-educated, well-informed uh, people in the Western world in his time, and a wonderful writer, and so wrong-headed. Uh, well, Bob Wilson has ta told me the story, that's where I learned that, that, that Kessler, when he, uh, I guess he was in his Marxist period, and he went to Russia to see how the great new society was working out after the Bolshevik Revolution. He spent the entire time washing his hands over and over and over again. <laughs> and he is also said to be the only person who had a bad trip with Timothy Leary. <laughs> with Timothy Leary as his guide, right? <laughs> when I was young, at least you could just be racist, you know? It was easy, it was organized, it was, you know, boom, 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 no, 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 you know? Right. But then now it's like, yeah, you got, you know, you got the Vietnam English. You know, you don't know what this guy's going to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? He's blowing, you know, he's playing a flute and they got the basket with a snake and the snake is named Winston Churchill. Something new you wanted to experience. And the moment you started thinking about this experience, the moment you started contemplating this potential reality, you turned on a part of your brain called the frontal lobe, the crowning achievement of the human being. It's 40% of your entire brain. It is the creative center, and it has connections to all other parts of the brain. And the moment you said, what would it be like to be a leader? What would it be like to be successful? What would it be like to have this vision come true? The moment you asked that open-ended question, you turned on this part of the brain. Because the rest of the brain is just a bunch of automatic programs. And now the frontal lobe, the creative center, wakes up. And it has connections to the entire brain. It's the CEO. It's the boss. It's the symphony leader of the brain. And the moment you get creative, the frontal lobe begins to select different networks of neurons that are stored in your brain from things you've learned or experienced. And as you begin to think a what-if question, it begins to select these different networks and begins to seamlessly piece them together and making your brain fire in new sequences and in new patterns and new combinations. The term AGI is thrown around a lot. How would you define AGI and how do you think you'll know? I think there's a lot of valid definitions to this, but for me, AGI is basically the equivalent of a median human that you could hire as a coworker. And then they, they could say, do anything that you'd be happy with a remote coworker doing just behind a computer, which includes, you know, learning how to go be a doctor, learning how to go be a very competent coder. There's a lot of stuff that a median human is capable of getting good at. And I think one of the skills of an AGI is not any particular milestone, but a meta skill of learning to figure things out and that it can go decide to get good at whatever you need. Well, what happened was we, we, we sold the show to uh, to Sci-Fi Channel, and uh, it was called Out There, and I basically interviewed all of the people that I admired uh, in various 
fields of study like uh, Colin Andrews from the Crop Circle Movement, uh, Linda Moulton Howe, the expert on cattle mutilations, John Mack. Um, and let me just put a pin in things right there because John Mack has taken the study of abductions, UFOs, right out through the other, uh, other side and he's going, yes, we know they're here, we know they're coming, we know people have been taken, we know there's experimentation going on, we know people have been told about agendas. What we now have to do is use that as a key and as a motivation to socially transform this planet to a more peaceful, more loving, more tolerant state. So his movement, the, the movement for social change, has just accepts as a fact abductions, UFOs, interplanetary uh, uh, intervention, and what he's doing is taking it out through the positive side of it and saying, now we must use it to, to socially transform, and I think his message is great. But I talked to him, I talked to the Allagash guys who were taken in the canoe on that trip in Pennsylvania. I, um, I mean, and I, the last show, the last show we did, I had both Bassett, who uh, has the, the UFO time clock, and then Greer. Both Bassett and Greer were there. They were my two guests for the day. Well, the show was canceled that afternoon. And um, I was outside. In, before I knew it was cancelled, in between the interviews. And uh, I was outside, and Britney Spears called me because she wanted to, me to be, appear on Saturday Night Live with her. And so I picked I was outside having a cigarette, the phone rang. Uh, I, I, oh, Brittany, how you doing? Oh, sure, of course I will. I turned away like this. I turned back, and there was a black Ford across the road, a black Ford sedan. And I, I was trying to look at the plate, and the plate seemed kind of like fuzzy, and I was, you know, definitely a police car. And two guys were there, and a big, big, tall guy got out of the back seat. And he stood in the street on, um, on 42nd Street, it was. We, we were at 42nd Street and 8th Avenue. And he looked right at me. And literally, I mean, I was on the phone. Hey, oh, sure, of course I'd love for the show. Saw the Ford, went back like this, turned back like a half second later, and it was gone. And that car did not go past me. It did not make a U-turn, because I would have seen 42nd Street. I would have seen that thing take a U-turn and go away. That car vanished. That car was a cloaked vehicle of some type. And whether this was like a warning to me, because the guy got out of the backseat, gave me a real dirty look. That car vanished. I know what I saw. And, uh, you know, I, I, it, was, it was just this fast. It was, oh, hi, Brittany, sure. Oh, of course, I'd love to. God gives me a dirty look. Oh, well, sure. Car gone. That's what happened. And uh, then two hours later, uh, we were told we were not to continue taping, and the show was canceled, and none of them would air. Yo, do you remember the Johnny Thunder Lego sets? He was like Lego's own version of Indiana Jones, long before they actually made official Indiana Jones sets. Yes, the adventurer's theme. This Lego theme was an excellent representation of the exploration of the unknown, and Johnny Thunder was a central character in that narrative. Right, I always found the setting in this Lego theme quite fascinating. I like how they were based off of real-world locations. The first few waves of the adventurer's theme took place in real-life places like Egypt and the jungle of the Amazon. The third wave in the year 2000 was the only adventurer's sub-theme to take place in a fictional setting, Dino Island, a land where prehistoric dinosaurs still existed. Oh yeah, I remember that sub-theme. I was never a huge fan of that theme. The sets were blocky and primitive, and they lacked any interesting lore. That's true. Dino Island was not the adventurer's strong suit. It was considered a big lump of shit. I think the Egyptian theme was the best sub-theme of the series. 100%. It's actually what got me fascinated in archaeology and ancient civilizations. The first set I got was 2996 Adventures Tomb.
Oh, I loved that one. What a great low-budget introduction to the theme. I particularly enjoyed the inclusion of the Pharaoh Hotep in this set. Yes, same with Sam Sinister. He looks like he would be funny and dramatic, kind of like Newman from Seinfeld. Yes, I totally get that vibe. He was a great antagonist who represented the shadow archetype, a character who is often in conflict with the protagonist. He added an element of tension to the story, which made it way more exciting to follow. He was 100%. Same with the other villain, Baron von Baron. He was the classic villain with the mustache, monocle, and hook for a hand. That guy always seemed to be one step ahead of Johnny, always stealing the treasure right before he got to it. Yes, Baron von Baron was a representation of the classic European aristocrat. He was a wealthy industrialist who financed his own expeditions and always wanted to be the first to discover ancient treasures. He's a bit of an anti-hero. How about the old guy with the glasses? What was his name again? That's Dr. Kilroy. He's actually Johnny Thunder's uncle. He was an experienced archaeologist who would travel alongside Johnny no matter how dangerous it was. Oh, yeah, he was a great sidekick for Johnny. And what about Pippin Reed? She was pretty much the only female character in this series. Pippin Reed was a photographer and journalist who traveled with Johnny and Dr. Kilroy. Her presence in the story brought balance to the masculine-driven narrative. True, she was definitely one of LEGO's original female heroes. Yes, and she was also a competent adventurer, which was a refreshing change from the typical damsel-in-distress trope. Were you a fan of the final sub-theme, Orient Expedition? Uh, when the Orient Expedition sub-theme came out in 2003, I was very excited that we got three new regions to explore, uh, I feel like this time around, we got the quality and the quantity. There was a nice variety of temples to explore in this theme. Oh yeah, Orion Expedition had Johnny exploring India, the Himalayas, and China. I particularly liked the large elephant pieces they had in set 7414 Elephant Caravan. That set was the shit. Yeah, same. That was an all-around great set, one of the best in that wave. I was quite fond of Johnny's charming Indian ally, Bablu. Yeah, I love that guy. I also thought it was so cool how Johnny had an Asian girlfriend, Jing Li. Yeah, good for him. Jing Li was a pretty young thing. Of the three regions in Orient Expedition, which was your favorite? India, without a doubt. Those sets piqued my interest in the Indian culture as well as their cuisine. Totally. And the Scorpion Palace was the highlight of the Indian sub-theme for me. I really love that style of architecture. Oh, me too. Another honorable mention is set 7411 Tigura's Roar. The play feature in that set was exhilarating. This is non-canon, but I also remember Johnny Thunder appearing in some Lego Studio sets as well. That's correct. Johnny appeared in set 1355 Temple of Gloom, and in the Jurassic Park 3 set 1370 Raptor Rumble for some reason. Wow, was he actually in that movie? He was not. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. And so you just stay alert... Do your work. Don't worry about the world going by. It doesn't mean that you can sit around and not do anything. You've got to get your butt in gear and do it. And don't take no for an answer. Translate those ideas to cinema or to a painting or to whatever. And um, figure out a way to get it done. What percentage of your staff did you fire at Twitter? One of the great business stories of the year. <laughs> I think we're about 20% we're about, uh, of uh, the original size. Uh, so 80% left? Uh, yes. So... Uh, I mean, a lot of people voluntarily... Sure, sure. But, but it's... 80% are gone from the day that, you took that's over. That's correct, yes. So how do you run the company with only 20% of the staff? 
Uh, it turns out uh, you don't need uh, all that many people to run Twitter. But 80%? That's a lot. Um, yes. Uh, over, I mean, if you're, if you're not trying to run some sort of uh, glorified activist organization uh, with, with, and you don't care that much about censorship, then uh, you can really let go of a lot of people, it turns out.
we are. It's dust in the wind, dude. Bingo. slow down here let's slow it down everybody let your edibles sink in while you're on starship oh i don't have a where's the chat i should put the chat window in here at least uh those last two songs were very good and uh but i just want to thank everybody that um is a, a musician who puts their uh, music out there for people to use all the music you heard tonight is uh cc by 3.0 and on soundcloud Go give the artist a high five, or a follow, or a like, or whatever. Do a, do a whatever with them. Uh, hold on one second here. I'm going to mention those artists' names right now. One was a uh, medieval lo-fi. I've been following them, uh, and I played a few songs of theirs on a uh, on Nick the Rat Radio because uh, they're good stuff. They're good stuff. Uh, I'll, yeah, shrink this window here. <sighs> oh, okay. There, uh, there's, there we go. Now we can move that up there. I'm gonna take this and uh, whoa. We're gonna take that and move that there. There we go. Okay. I put them right behind all this garbage. There we go. Now, oh, that's fine. Can't read anything because all the colors. It's like camouflage. Uh, why not go bigger? There we go. Okay, okay. Stop. Stop it. All right. The last song was Mysteries by Medieval Lo-Fi. That was before the uh, little break. Then after the break was Motor Rotor um, by Cyberpunkers. Cheers to those artists. Cheers to you artists out there. Uh, I think AI is going to have a huge, huge impact on the paranormal community. It has to. It's it's going to. Um, the, there's there's one way it won't, though, is if um, they cut the balls off of AI, which they've been doing. Uh, they've been... Wait. Uh, calling from the western east side of the north south. Caller. Hi. Yeah. Yeah, I'm calling from the western side of North South. 
How are you? Good. Just chilling in the firmament. You know. Are you, are you firm? Uh, I'm, I'm hard as a rock. Um, Cheers to that. You know, that, that was a great interview, man. That lady was smart. She was great. I just um, wish I had my microphone working properly. Ah, it sounded good. I kind of like the little echo. At first, I thought it was just me. <laughs> I heard it while it's, I was recording. It's a high it, holiday, and, and I was like, Ugh. "That's why I was like trying to talk faster than I usually did." I was even more embarrassed about uh, my reality. Yeah, that's all right. But she once was, in a while, you got to get out of your comfort zone, you know. And uh, when you're inept, it's easy. <laughs> that's true. Constantly outside of my comfort zone. Oh man! I always feel right. like uh, that guy Tom Cruise in that airplane, and I'm on, on the uh, I'm on like the danger line doctor. or something. Doctor, doctor, doctor. Danger zone. I'm flying high. In the yeah, hey, hey, you know how you're always talking about this unraveling. There's the you know we're almost totally unraveled. Are we unraveling or are we ratcheting down? Like, well, the uh, the uh, twine that we're the fabric of existence is is doing what you said. Ratcheting down. It's ratcheting down as it ex- expands in separate directions, causing it to tear wide open. Oh, so we're blowing out. More or less. It's. Whoa. That's it's like we deep, just man. had Taco Bell. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I'll give me a blowout. That's for sure. That's for sure. I saw Stillwater in here. I, I wanted to say hi to that happy, jolly son of a bitch. He's be gone. Somewhere. Is he in here? He might be. He uh, still might be in here. Man, this show comes on late. I have to take naps for it. Oh, I'm taking a nap right now. I think you tell. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're doing warp speed, right? I'm at warp 5.3. I mean, 4.20. 4.20. Okay, so a lot of interesting things have been going on. Oh, enlighten me, please, please. Okay, all right. First off, nobody signed their oath at, at, at Congress or whatever, working at the White House people. So now it's cool. Like, that's why they've been such jerk-offs, because they didn't even sign up for nothing. So, Wait, so that, there's no that, I figured that up, you know. That's cool. Listen, there's no that out. There's no, isn't like oaths, isn't that like a religious thing? Yeah, taking an oath. Well, see, Nick, now... You're younger than I am, and you might not remember this, but there used to be this thing called, and now this is a big word, it's five letters, but it was called honor. And people used to have this thing called honor and this other thing called integrity. Well, I usually get off her, and... I don't know who this Greg guy is, but I... who Greg? 
Oh. Greg's the dude that ate all the nachos. So you're talking about the intern Greg's girlfriend that I was with the other night and us on. Um, oh, dude. I, dude, that's not really a girl. It was a cactus. I know. It was a lot of uh, tw- tweezer work that night. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Greg doesn't look like he fell over into a tackle box for no reason. He's been kissing that cactus like He's no a handsome tomorrow. man, though. He's and handsome. then he just puts a new piece of jewelry in. I just wanted what he had, though. I was... Well, you know... And then I got it, right? All over everything. Everywhere. He does seem happy. Yeah, he, 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 I, you know, he, he's found love. Did, did, do you know anything about these uh, UFO um, hearings that have been yeah, happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read, I read the report. I read, I read something on it. It was like, oh, the Pentagon says, well, it could be the Chinese, <laughs> you know, which everybody's been saying. Like, it doesn't move around like a laser pointer if it's not, you know, something spun up there. And just ionizing at that point. But I'm talking about the Tic Tacs and the Navy ships and the Navy pilots. But the one that they released, you know, I know they released it months ago, but it's been making a big round on social media right now. The the one over Iran. Have you seen that one? The ball flying straight? Like the ball. Yeah, thing. The, the Pentagon released it, or so the headlines say. It's, um, it's a fast moving, fast moving object. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was in Iran. It looks like uh, it looks like the. But how low is that object? Because it, the thing that took the video is above it looks, that. It looks pretty low. You know what it reminded me of? And I don't, you know, with the internet, everything and a balloon doing, doing dabs. No, uh, there was one thing that they uh, a bunch of people in Chicago. Saw on the tarmac. Did you ever hear about that one? They saw something on I the tarmac. I think they tried to blow it off as like maybe ball lightning. I don't think. Uh, but I don't think I've seen this. It was it was at O'Hare. It was on on the air. On everybody was in the plane on the tarmac, and multiple people got pictures of it. And I believe I or I read one story that I. It has been a while, too, but it, it's in there. It's in the Internet. Uh, Chicago Airfield, multiple witnesses, uh, 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 ball UFO, maybe ball lightning, or weather service says ball, or UFO is ball lightning. But the pilot said the clouds split and it quit raining there, and, and the thing went straight up. I found a, an American gladiator named Lightning, and what? You could shave those things? Uh, if you shave your gladiator, man, they become much more aerodynamic. They really roll. They, you can really do it. You can get them moving. You know? no, I, I don't think they this don't... is what you're talking about. I'm seeing that, and also there's like an airplane with a, like a lightning strike right next to it. But I'm not really seeing... Uh, uh... This is this is an older one. This is probably 2012, 2014. Oh, man. I need to use like... Ask Jeeves to find that. Google won't help me yeah, with this. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. Just Google me right, dude. Oh, wait. You maybe we could try uh, the chat GPT. Yeah. Let's try that. Let's ask chat GPT about the ball lightning in at O'Hare. You know, um, 
while you're looking that up, uh, my uh, great-grandfather and, and great-grandmother and grandfather and all his brothers were spiritualists. Yeah, and, but uh, Shannon mentioned like there was like a fourth-generation spiritualist. Like, is it like a do you have to, is there a spirit, spiritualist church? Do you have to be baptized? I have so many questions. Um, well, there was one in Philly that they called the Children of the Wood, and, and that started sometimes. Aren't we uh, all Children late, of the Wood? I think they kind of are. That Well, that's the thing. So, like, growing up in it with spiritualists around, everybody would knock their knuckles on wood and stuff. And they, they walk in, and they you got you to gotta knock on wood. To, to let the spirits know you're there so you, you don't get in the same spot as them. I mean, that's what, what it was told to me and stuff. But it was kind of cool, you know, thinking about stuff like that. But they were all alchemists too, man. And uh, chemists, like alchemist types. And then a bunch went on to become physicists. There's a, but, uh, a connection between the extraordinary and the extremely ordinary yeah i i think i read something about about it once like people that are really smart that retain a lot of information you have like you know a mild forms of uh ocd they love rules and uh that's they're hyper spiritual a lot of times as well you know, and so and that might be a biological imperative. I read some papers, some guy uh, posited a thought like that. Like, if you believe in an afterlife and, and if you believe that God's on your side and you're having successes, that, that could all be hardwired DNA stuff uh, to keep to keep despair out of uh, a genetic pool. You know, so you have the hyper-religious religiosity and uh, you'll you'll have like uh, some of them uh, ass Asperger's or ass tacos, whatever it is, uh, type symptoms as well with other old professors. Oh, I like ass fries. They fit in there better. I'm seeing these pictures ass- from O'Hare. They, it's a, it's a saucer. It's a saucer. Uh, is, is is it? Do you have the black and white? Uh, there was there was some footage of it. Any of the film film coming up on it? Well, like security cam film. That's an old one though. That's a that's a good one. This this one's a. But that thing in the thing I saw in uh, Iran film reminded me of it. This one, a UFO mystery at one of the nation's busiest airports. Several pilots, apparently, and United Airlines workers at Chicago's O'Hare swear they saw one, a UFO. They say it hovered over a terminal without lights before shooting straight up right through the clouds last fall. The FAA still is investigating, but federal officials believe it was just some strange weather phenomenon. Yeah, ball lightning. <laughs> That's, it. That's the one. That's the one. Some strange weather phenomena. How does a flying object and um, a physical object? I don't know. I don't know. Why were all those Hindu guys right? Oh, I don't know. Maybe they're talking like maybe it was like a like a garbage pail lid or something got thrown up into the air because there was like a gust of wind. Yeah. 
You know when you get in a, a YouTube rabbit hole? Yeah. Right. So I remember I was in one once, and they were they were there was. You know what a viman is, right? You heard of that, right? A viman. I think they're called vimanas, vimanus. Is that when you put a grapefruit into a lady's private area? No, that's a pusmano. Oh, uh, it's it's different. It's different. Now, whatever those uh, uh, those flying machines that the ancient Hindus had, and, and they got stories like this princess had one, and she had a captain that flew it, and blah blah blah, and, and they went around, and everybody, like all kind of the elites, had them, and they could like fly around from palace to palace. It's tons. The Vedas are full of that stuff. Yeah, you know, that was actually and, and, um, they just had um, like what are those zip lines installed? Is that what it was? Yeah, zip it was lines? zip lines. It was it was the complicated uh, just for rich people. Because a zip line well, is really easy for a couple people. You can't have too many people on a zip line. If you have an accident on a zip line between a couple people, it's really gory. Yeah, well, I hear you. And also, the rich only deserve fun. Anyhow, zip lines are like exhilarating. they're hella fun. Yeah. The, yeah, unless you're Ninja Warrior, dude. If you shave your Ninja Warrior down, they will zip down that zip line. And the handbike line, if you shave them down, they're good for that too. But anywho, I I was in this YouTube rabbit hole, right? And they were saying like the flying carpet is one of those things, and uh, that carpet would be like the first thing that you that the uh, uh, what were the the Bedouins? So these guys traveled in tents, and they would put down a carpet and then put the tent up over the carpet, and like so, carpet meant like house, and the translation to flying carpet really should be house of the sky. Huh. But you know, that's a YouTube rabbit hole. Like, yeah, I get stuck. I mean, I I started watching them on kazoos the other day because my arch nemesis. And I was like, I need a kazoo. And then after fucking 16 hours of YouTube videos about kazoos, I was like, I can't do this. I'll never be good enough. You just need to watch like another 50 more hours of kazoo stuff. And spend hundreds of dollars. I'm not going to be sitting in the hospital overnight that much anymore, you know, with headphones on. There's once in a while, you know, I might have be on, you know, like guard duty on by a patient's side or something, make sure they don't fucking kill them in the middle of the night. And I'll sit up all night and watch. With the large enough kazoo, you could do that with a, we could do that. What a kazoo. Yeah. You kazoo, you could kazoo as protection. No, I was more like, I'm going to shove this fucking chair up your ass if y'all fuck anything up. That was more my stance. A kazoo with a dagger on the end, like a, like one of those guns Ooh. with the, the knife on it. That, that beats the, the, the fecal spitting harmonica, but yeah. you could prison water kazoo pretty good, I bet. You could you, you yeah. be named yeah. the great kazoo, and you fight crime. <laughs> When I was a kid, uh, we used to we used to put a little tinfoil in a kazoo and make it a dandy dandy pipe. So we had kazoo pipes. 
They were fun. They were fun. But, oh, yeah, shit's unraveling, but it's ratcheting down. So I, you, like, totally enlightened me when because I'm like, what the fuck? They're unraveling. It's like they're stupid. It's just doubling down, man. I mean, I, I can't I can't believe what, what's been going on. Uh, Bear Talk yeah, went to 50, 50 uh, medical institutions and, and talked to people about starting the puberty block and hormone kids and then getting surgery by the time they're 15. And, no, we ain't going to tell your parents. It's, I mean, there's a lot of money. There's a, there's a lot of money and laws and um, politicians. Yeah, man, but I like kids. And- you know, and not in that way. You know what I mean? I just think kids should have a chance. They don't like them in that way like, either. They just want to profit off of... Uh... No, some of them like them in that way. That's why they're doing it. That's a percentage for sure. What happens you know? to all or, these 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 parts that are chopped up? What are they doing with them? They, I, don't they, do they put them in bags and they put them in like envelopes and they so, stick them in, so in the white I box? I don't know if you followed what happened in Pittsburgh uh, where they were selling all the aborted baby parts and that they were selling like uh, ears on on rats and they were doing stuff with their lungs and their livers. Well, And yeah, it, it, that was the... Uh, Planned Parenthood was selling. It's completely Pennsylvania state laws. It's totally illegal, and the school wasn't allowed to use federal dollars or state dollars to buy these human uh, unsanctioned human parts. Somebody's got to be a cadaver and donate, right? And and um, it's like expressly prohibited in Pennsylvania state law, and fucking nobody got in trouble. Like it's that that was you know that it, it fully came out that that's what they were doing. It's like if you go to the dentist and you get a tooth pulled, you can't take that tooth home with you. They consider it bio waste. Uh yeah, they, yeah, they kind of do. Like, um, like what kind of bio waste is my tooth? Like, so after to, I get done me, reading books, after I get done reading books at the library to the children. I go around and get their teeth back from the dentist. You know, I'm like, the tooth fairy's here, motherfucker. You know, give us her teeth. Yeah, it's some bullshit. I Remember when you, they were like, tie it to a doorknob, slam it, you know? <laughs> now you can't leave with nothing. It depends on your state, too. Some places will let you leave with stuff. You know, well, like when they cut your yeah. fingertips off because they're like declawing you, why can't, who, where do those go? Um, well, where, where are they, all the declawed they, cat's fingertips going? Well, then, you know, it, I think the people at PETA, uh, make Merkins out of them or something, uh, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that, now I understand yeah. why, uh, yeah, yeah, PETA, you know, those guys euthanize the most animals every year. How do you get a job at PETA? I never seen like we're hiring PETA. Okay, um, you, you know how you're in the sewer. Yeah. Right. Right. So you got to go all the way down, all the way down to the end by Coney Island stuff, man. And then you got to take those stairs down, right? Those, those that spiral staircase I told you not to go down. Yeah. 
You got, you got to go down. You got to go down. You got to go down. You get to a door and you got to go down. You got to go down. You got to go down. Eventually, you'll meet this guy named Mephistopheles. Oh. He's in charge of all the flies. And uh, he does your PETA interview, you know. Uh, he tells you to become a soy boy faggot. Uh, sorry, Nick. And, uh, you know, you're halfway there. Um, but then you can, you, you can, if you make it past Mephistopheles at HR, you're, you're working at PETA. You know, you just got to be willing to kill animals and make children cry. My name is a couple letters off from being a stick, so. Um, what what do you need? Uh, the, but what, the, the, who, uh, does PETA get tax dollars or are they funded by oh, companies yeah. like. They get tax dollars, funds. Well, what, whatever. Like government come on, or, man, what all the, or do people pay for that? What, what do all the grifters do? Think about it. They grift. There's a serious question. Don't hang up. What do all the grifters do? They they grift. They blackmail corporations. Yeah, but right? like PETA, the population doesn't trust PETA anymore. So what are they going to say? Like, oh, Nike uses uh, cows for their shoes. Duh. Well, I mean, PETA. I mean, if you pulled their nine ninety, they. They probably did five hundred, six hundred million last year. Yeah, but who's giving them the money? The, Corporations that they blackmail, and they also have, you know, like weirdos are like, "I love my farm to my dog." I mean, fuck, a dog is the CEO of Twitter now. Do you hear that? What? A dog is a dog is running Twitter. Twitter is hilarious. Elon Musk said in an interview the other day that he's no longer the CEO of Twitter. He stepped down, but his dog is the CEO of Twitter. What is this? Have you heard about Elon Musk's uh, Ruby Mines? Uh-huh. He was, he's saying he doesn't have Ruby Mines. He'll give somebody like a million doge shits. And then his dad's like, there's a, there is a Ruby Mine. Is, is there, what, why, who cares about Ruby Mines? Well, you know why the kings all wore those jeweled crowns? Because uh, their wives made them do it? Kind of. Um, they, were, they were setting up a, a specific torrid around their head and, and trying to make a bottle and a cone uh, with the magnetic field. And it turns out rubies, sapphires, emeralds, when placed on the head, tap into other ways. That's how God used to talk to all the kings. That's why they had the divine right of kings, and that's why they needed a jeweled crown. It's the old old school cell phone. What? It, yeah, it was it was the God phone to your brain. You were talking yeah. about like tree people before. Did they use like a th- a thorn crown to talk to each other? Uh, no, there was just that one guy. And he's the only one that ever came back and complained about death. Uh, but I don't, I don't blame him. They crucified him. I mean, um, but nobody else. Death can't be that bad. Like when you ask that lady if she was scared of death, she sounded cool with it. Like, I mean, let's face it, man. Old man time, that motherfucker is still undefeated. 
except for like that one guy and like they crucified him. So, you know, I get it. He was upset. You know, his dad's some big shot though. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, but you could wear, you know, whatever you're into, you could be an elven Sprite and wear a fucking poison Ivy crown for all I care. But what I'm really concerned about is these children just fucking robbing and looting places. Like what's going on in Chicago? And we're not supposed to vilify the kids. That's what he says. That's what the mayor says. We Can't should vilify uh, the It's it's a it's a it's a it's a problem that goes What vilification of children? Well you should vilify villains. That's a given, but there's a problem that's deeper than uh... Yeah, I was talking about honor and integrity. I, I know those are weird words. I think they took them out of the dictionary. But, like, you could have, like, an oath and stuff, and you could, like, be like, oh, my honor, you know? It's, my it's, word is my word. It's sort of like, but it's they're not the majority, though. They get the what, most attention. It's the It's the media's fault for displaying them the most oh you mean it's like the shittiest reality game show ever who can fuck up the the, the cbs the worst yeah if the media didn't uh didn't say anything about it and, amplify it amplify it yeah if it, there was no think? amplification of of uh yeah. violence in the media and uh people were just violently dealt with that needed to be then yeah well, so I was thinking about it the other day, man, I was really big. Sometimes when I do a dab, like, for, like, 30 minutes, I'm just, like, a total introvert, and I'm, like, all freaked out where I'm, you know, yeah, the walls are crashing in, society sucks, this isn't real. But I was thinking about, like, the bread riots back in the old day. I'm like, shit, man, we, we had fucking Lululemon and Nike riots. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are these people doing? Going in and stealing ten thousand dollars worth of Nike gear and pants and Lululemons and shit, and and uh, you know, what's it going to be like when we get to the bread riots? Because they're coming next, right? Yeah, well, that's that's, that's, that's the the, the curious part is, um, see, you're you're mentioning that um, there's there was riots for bread and then there was riots for uh, these these uh, uh, goods these shoes that use child slave labor that everybody knows that they're an evil corporation, but they still exist anyway. And when they get looted, it's who who cares about shoes? You get, you get shoes really well, cheap. Yeah. The drip riots, we can call them the drip riots because they smash out all them Walmart fucking jewelry cases too. Now no. prices for uh food has gone yeah. up a little bit, you know, it has gone up. Okay. Yeah, it's transient, though. It's nothing to worry about. And compared to last month, we're only up 7% from last month, you know. So, I mean, we're down 0.7%. What am I saying? You know, or, no, we're up 0.7%. I don't know. I love Butterfingers, though. They're delicious candy bars. <laughs> they last for years. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, you know, there's nothing like it. I doesn't like it. You know, I wanted to hard. call. Man, I'm so bummed. I was all busy with stuff. I I wanted to call him. You know that show? You ever hear that one show, uh, Hog Story? With? There's a, what, it's like a redneck and some chick. Hey, don't. 
Um, it's Those pretty my funny, hero. That's Fletcher and Carolyn Blaney. They're my heroes. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Fletcher and Blaney. Yeah, yeah. Redneck and some chick. Although that chick seems smart. Like, that redneck, he's okay. But that chick actually seems smart. She's but, Canadian. Uh, dude, Canadian. She's from Canada. Oh, that's why she's so nice. Oh, that explains a lot. But they had a show about candy the other day, like confectionaries. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, man. I well, My mother, when she was alive, boy, did she make, she used to make confetti. She'd make like ambrosia bark. She made these things called uh, fingers. They weren't butter fingers, but man, the insides of it, Nick, were, it was like confectioner sugar, sweet condensed milk, a stick of butter, half a cup of coconut. So they were kind of like a mound or something, but they, they were long with your fingers, and then you put two pecan knuckles on them. And I, was, I was so bummed that I didn't get to hear that. If that went live, I would have loved I love candy. And those, yeah, Fletcher Blaney. Yeah, that's, I was just really high. It's a nice second. I remember it. Those guys were great, though. They're awesome. They are. Look, dude. Good. It's getting late, man. Oh, shit. It's almost uh, midnight. and It's almost 420 in the next time zone. Yeah, you got to play some songs. And then, uh, yeah, I heard you shout out to Boo and Lab. You got to get those guys on. It'll happen so soon. Fun. It will happen. It's just. Those uh, guys are sweet. Sweethearts. It's just life keeps right, going. Brother. Hey, oh, let me let me say something to the to the campers. Hey, campers, it's a high holiday, so remember to get high all holiday. All right, peace out, much love, and uh, Ratman, you're all right. I take back all those bad things I said about you. Hang up on him. He said a lot of bad things about me. Let's listen to some music. We have Nispigi, Joe Environmental Science. What? Walking in the street, looked up and noticed he was nameless, he was homeless. She asked him his name and told him what hers was. He gave her a story about life with a glint in his eye and a corner of a smile. One conversation, a simple moment, the things that change us. If we notice when we look up, sometimes she's riding in a taxi back to the kitchen, talking to the driver about his wife and his children on a run from a country where they put you in prison for being a woman and speaking your mind in his eyes in the mirror and he smiled one conversation a single moment the things that change us if we notice when we look up sometimes so i sing a song for the hustlers trading at the bus stop single mothers
The small town of Twin Peaks was abuzz with excitement as rumors spread of a mysterious medium who had arrived in town. People whispered that she possessed supernatural abilities and could commune with the dead. On a warm, bright sunny summer day, a group of curious locals gathered in a small, dimly lit room to witness her perform a seance. As the medium closed her eyes and began to chant, the room fell silent. Suddenly, the air grew thick and heavy, and the temperature dropped. A cold breeze swept through the room, causing the candles to flicker and dance. The medium's body began to tremble and convulse, and her voice became deep and guttural. The spectators watched in awe and terror as the medium's body lifted off the ground, suspended in midair. Her eyes rolled back into her head, and she began to speak in a strange, robotic voice. I am not of this world, she declared. I come from a distant planet, one that was once home to a great civilization. We were a race of advanced beings, possessing knowledge and technology far beyond your understanding. The room fell silent as the medium continued to speak, her voice growing louder and more authoritative. She described how her planet had been destroyed by an alien species named humans, who had invaded and conquered her people. The humans were a violent and cruel race, obsessed with power and domination. They had used their superior technology to destroy her planet, leaving nothing behind but rubble and ash. But I have survived, the medium declared. I have traveled across the vast expanse of space, seeking a new home. And now I have arrived on your world, seeking to warn you of the danger that lies ahead. The spectators listened in rapt attention as the medium's body continued to float in midair, her eyes glowing with an otherworldly light. But beware, she warned. The humans are coming. They will come with their machines of war, their weapons of destruction. They will seek to conquer and enslave you, just as they did to my people. You must prepare yourselves. You must unite and fight back. You must be strong. With these words, the medium's body fell back to the ground, and she slumped over, exhausted. The spectators watched in stunned silence as she slowly came back to consciousness, looking bewildered and disoriented. What happened? she asked, her voice weak and trembling. The spectators looked at each other in confusion. Had they just witnessed a genuine communication with an alien intelligence, or was it just the delusion of a madwoman? As they left the room, they couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. They knew that something strange and mysterious had just occurred, something that they could not explain or comprehend. And they couldn't shake the feeling that the warning the medium had given them was more than just the ravings of a possessed woman, but a true message from beyond. Days turned into weeks, and the memory of the seance slowly faded from the minds of the townsfolk. But as the summer turned into fall, strange things began to happen in Twin Peaks. Lights flickered, strange noises could be heard in the night, and people reported seeing bizarre, otherworldly creatures lurking in the shadows. And in the midst of it all, a single, eerie message seemed to linger in the air, beware the humans. They are coming.
again we say hi to Nick the Rat Dimensional time. 
from the future. Oh, my. No, I actually got what he, the actor, would say. I am going to tell you that in the 23rd century, we still have plenty of non-entropy going on. We used the deflector dish to pick up through a time inverse transponder that's off the starboard bow, along with the Klingons, your primitive radio station. Very primitive indeed. And as I sit here doing nothing on the bridge of the Enterprise, I have to say, the only entropy is when Captain Kirk opens his mouth and steals my mind. Wow. Um, so, did I talk about, like, AI at all? Tonight? Tonight was a, it was a pretty long night. We're at the, we're at the next 420. It's 2.08, a.m. EST right now. So all this is just totally just unraveling before our eyes. This four, this 420 special occasion. Uh, there's... <laughs> Alright, we're going to play some more voicemails And then we're probably going to get out of here It's pretty late And I'm very high Very sleepy Very high I got these uh, Those edibles are Wow well, I'm, sink I'm sinking into the chair With uh, thoughts and feelings and ideas, and it's just, uh, just as, uh, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's a good, it's good, let's listen to some more voicemails. Oh no. Hey man, you ever been thinking about your fake friend in New York and want to play some harmonica for him? Hey, listen, buddy. I'm getting scared knowing that I'm getting watched now by the FIA. All my creative juices have drained out the bottom of my feet. Oh. Get some buckets, stand in buckets. Yes. Then drink it. But the moment I appear to give something to you, sir. Then the question is can one just be the gift? Yes. Thank you. 
Thanks again to Shannon Taggart. Thanks again to um, Spiritualism. Thank you to um, Dan Aykroyd, um, Tom Starkweather, and Sewer Chat, and um, America. Kazuntite to you. Cheers. Happy 420. Thank you to Mary. Thank you to Jane. And thank you to whoever invented um, the scissoring. I guess that would be uh, Allah or somebody. But either way. Cheers to everybody. Blah. Happy 420. Get the fuck out of here. We'll see you next week. Maybe I'll fix something. Maybe I'll break something else. Ah, <sighs> Good night, Internet. We got Ikaros Ayahuasa Alos Apus with Meditate Medicine um, some, something other word. I can't read. It's too too big of a too, too big. It's too big. Get that out of here. It's too big. Shipibo.
Try not to lie. There you go. Don't lie. You know? Share. Share it with people. Share. But uh, just don't sh don't share it if it's murder. Okay. Or violence. You keep that shit to yourself. Change. No, actually, don't keep to. Let people know that you're violent and uh, so they don't mess with you, you know? Because, you know, Nick the Rat, I'm a, I'm pretty violent. I'm, you know, I got muscles. I'll eat your family if I had to. Okay, so back off. Take your luggage. Go back to New Jersey, okay? So I'll eat you. I have lawyers with hungry children.
Listen. You smell something? Talk about telekinetic activity. Look at this mess. Raymond, look at this. Ectoplasmic residue. Beckman, get a sample of this. It's the real thing. When somebody blows their nose and you want to keep it? I'd like to analyze it. There's more over here. I'm getting stronger readings here. Whoa. Oh. Oh. Ah. Don't kill animals!